The Ron and Fez Show starts right now.
Let's get down to it, Bopper. Oh, buddies. It's the Ron Fez Show. Weezer, artist of the day. It means so much to Pepper. So much. And his generation. Pepper loved those guys until they did Pinkerton. And then he turned on them and started screaming, where's the hits? And that made uh, poor Weezer just fall into the background and not be able to cope. No, no, Rivers Cuomo kind of fell apart after that one. I can't cope with everyone not liking me. Yeah, really lost his shit and then uh, never really did an album equal to either of the first two ever again. Sorry, Rivers, but those first two. Well, that, didn't, didn't he be kind of, become kind of a singles act after yeah, that? like he got, became like obsessed with like making the perfect pop song. And that was like, right. his, he's just going over lyrics, a very great pop song, and just a giant binder of them and just, it, it ruined him. What did Tommy James do? Yeah, exactly. How did Huey Lewis pull that? off. Uh, and then the, here's the funny thing about it. Now he can't do a show without people screaming Pinkerton. Mm -hmm. So he thought it was this horrible thing, but it's that album that if you like Weezer, that's your favorite album. And yet he thought I've made the worst album ever. You didn't, Rivers. I can't sing those songs. They make me hurt inside. Big triangle. And uh, Japanese girls uh, just have me freaked out. He must realize people love him because everyone's wearing his glasses. The um, the songs are up there uh, today as part of uh, today's playlist. Artist of the day, Weezer. How can you not love some Weezer? <clears throat> El Scorcho was the, f the song we opened was the first single off of... Um Pinkerton and just got just destroyed. Like everyone just was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Looking back, the song's amazing. Was, the album's fucking great. Well, here's the uh, the thing: the fact that he never did an album called "I Have to Grease Weezer" was the biggest mistake. And anyone who doesn't get that joke needs to look it up. You got to get down with those kids. They were that was that was the height. All right, it's the Ron and Fez show Thursday, a uh, thirsty Thursday. Mm. Um, Dan Aykroyd gave me a signed bottle of vodka, but I noticed it disappeared. Uh, uh, it's, it's for safekeeping up in the office. Pepper? Pepper? <laughs> I, I don't want anyone. It's a signed bottle of vodka. <laughs> Someone will just pick that up and take it away. They did. <laughs> no, His name I'm, was Pepper. I'm trustworthy. I'd in the if you want the vodka, just say. Who doesn't want a fucking cool skull filled with vodka? <clears throat> I would have thought that Mr. Dan Aykroyd would have uh, signed it to you then. No, it's just a. Uh... Do you still have your other signed bottle? Yes, that signed bottle's in. You uh... didn't crack it open for Dave like you said you were going to do? No, I, I I was drunk when I said that, and um, I would have if I, I remember the next day, but it <laughs> went right. out of my mind. Note to self find out who's a bigger liar, Chris. <laughs> Or Fez. <laughs> Starting today with the stolen bottle of vodka. It wasn't stolen. Chris. <laughs> it's it's safely in the office. I'll send popcorn to grab it. Here's a bottle of fluid for you. There's no extracts in it at all. Mmm. I hate extracts. He, uh... Hey, he's Danny Aykroyd. What can you say about the guy? Really cool. Alright, it's the uh, Ron and Fez show. And, uh... 
we just found out that Molly Shannon is going to stop by today. You'd think that they would uh, allow us to uh, to know this in advance. Sometimes you just come fast and furious. They do. They come fast and furious. So that's exciting. Uh, who do you like better than Molly Shannon? Oh, I'll answer that. Nobody. I love her on Saturday Night Live. Loved her on. Oh, Saturday. she was on that show. Yeah, All right, was, that's a wait. good thing for me to write down for my notes. Wait, you didn't know she? Was I'm going to call Live. it so she thinks that I'm in tight. S N L. I'm a lot like. Oh, by the way, it looks like people um, love your playlist today. Good. Here's what it takes to take the, the fucking crybabies. Just make it a '90s playlist. <laughs> And they're fucking happy. But, you know, any other thing? This isn't the 90s! Oh, my God. I didn't grow up when this was out. Oh, but this reminds me of my childhood. This reminds me of my friends. When we would play Weezer over and over. That's what you have to do to please the babies. Just give them their... They're fucking uh, 90s. Well, 90s are tasty. Well, there's plenty in the 90s. There's no doubt about that. All right, Ron and Fez show. Before Molly uh, stops by, uh, we'll jump into a couple of these things. Chicago seems to be all in the news today. Uh, they got a goat head sent to the Cubs, uh, which is a... Uh, a standard thing that we got to hear about this fucking goat every single year and their curse. Their, co their curse, of course, hasn't been bad management. No. Uh, it's been a goat. It's, it's the goat. They should just, every at every seventh inning, just massacre goats at Wrigley. Just fucking slit its throat and spray blood all over the mound. Um, yeah, because the people in Chicago apparently believe in a goat. Now, there's also, at the same time... Uh, Bears news, because they give uh, Mike Singletary's uh, number to a new guy. What? Now, they had never retired his number oh, officially, shit. but no one else got that number for 20 years. So and that, they... That's retired. Well, it's, uh, it's not technically retiring, but to be not retired, I think you have to go up on a clothesline hanging up. But it's still very cruel to Mike Singletary. After 20 years, you got to think, all right, no one's going to wear number 50 again. I think if they don't say this is a retired number, it's not retired. And I think uh, they took a look back over it and decided we retired Dick Buckus. Is Mike Singletary Dick Buckus? No. Mm. That's what happened to him. He wasn't Dick Buckus. Bug-eyed bastard. What happened is he went and coached the 49ers for a season, dropped his pants, and everyone felt like, all right, we don't have to keep this number special anymore. But if they're going to retire your number, they, they would do it within five to ten years. They don't wait 20 while you're still sitting out there. That's some wishy-washiness on the fucking Bears. And face it, if you're going to sit around and talk about the Bears and the greatness of the Bears... Buckus's name comes up before Singletary. And the real disappointment with that team is they should have had a lot of fucking uh, um, championships. Um, here's, uh, you know, you get into this stuff 
And you see that the weirdness of sports is once you're done, if you don't start legend building about yourself... You got to work the phones? Yeah, you've got to be a marketing guy. Terry Bradshaw markets Terry Bradshaw. Yeah. Michael Singletary does not fucking market, oh, remember how special I was. That's... Now, the sweetness thing, look how quick that they did something for him. You got to leave with death is a very helpful thing. Oh, oh dying, That helps cement your legend. Dying too early? Oh, my God. And then you're loved forever. That's it. You're, you're, you are the legend. Yeah. There's, there's no one that... Death is wins. But the weird thing is, we always say you have to get a Super Bowl ring. And uh, the Bears did back in the 80s. But then you look back at it and go, how did this team not win four? They had all the players. Did they, did they just start leaving, or did it was they just... got they played the same time as San Francisco? That's the problem. But even the Giants had more Super Bowls of that era than they did, and no one sits around bragging about the Giants. Well, LT, he's fucking everything. His legend remains even after all the crazy shit that's happened this last year. Um, Turtle, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Maha, buddies. Yeah. I can't think of another uh, NFL team that's had three kind of legendary all-pro Hall of Fame linebackers than no, the Bears. No, when you think of the other team, you would have to go Penn State. You'd have to go to college to linebacker you. But uh, do you think Singletary's number should have been retired? Uh, no. You're, you made. I think the point was made. He, he wasn't buckets. And if that's the... If that's the standard, then he didn't meet it. He was fantastic. He was he was, you know, he was exceptional when he played, but I wouldn't put him at the level with Butkus. He also played with a phenomenal defense. Yeah, and, and Butkus. You know, if you they probably should have just retired the entire defense's number, <laughs> or no one else would. What they've done, I think this is great in Chicago. They've never let anyone else play defense since that team. Um. Here is uh, James. James, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ron, what's going on? Yeah. Hey, I had heard on SportsCenter that with football, because it's such a unique sport, that with 53 men and with the NFL cracking down on certain positions can only wear certain numbers, that within 20 years, teams are going to have to stop retiring jerseys. Because the NFL this year just came out and said, I think it's tight ends or fullbacks can't wear numbers in the 40s. And with 53 men, you're only lotted a certain group of numbers for that position. Absolutely true. Like with, yeah. With, like with basketball, you have 99 numbers for 14 guys. Baseball, you can 99 numbers, and it's not well. A pitcher can only wear number one through nine. You know, you can wear whatever the hell number you want. It's just football. You're stuck with a group of numbers, and you're going to run out of numbers eventually. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. That. Uh, the weirdness of the football number system makes it fucking difficult to retire stuff. They gotta stop that. They should revamp the whole fucking thing. Well, it's it's too a whole. It's too hard for the fucking referees. Oh. So you got to know what position everybody's in. You know, you got to say, wait a minute, what's number seventy four doing in the fucking defensive backfield on a fucking pass? <laughs> I'm gonna throw out my little flag. I'm going to throw a little flag down and let them know how unhappy I am. That shit's all going to change once they get Google Glasses. And so they'll have like little things on top of their the, each player saying what position they are and what, they, what they're doing. So we don't even have to bother with numbers. Who's wearing the Google Glass? The referees. And they'll have things attached to the players to identify them. 
So we'll actually see their name underneath them yeah. as they're running, because I guess we'll have on a Google Glass at home. Yeah. By the way, it's not plural, but you don't say Google Glasses. Oh, it's just Google Glass? Yeah, Google oh, Glass. Come on, Google. Give me a break. Semantics. Give me a break. They gave you the most fantastic fucking thing ever. You're now part cyborg. Most fantastic thing is getting banned everywhere. Bars and strip clubs are saying, nope, no thank you. We don't want any part of this Google Glass shit. I know I wouldn't be comfortable with someone wearing a Google Glass in here. We could, they could just be recording all everything we're doing. is right. A lot of shit we do is secret, okay? It's fucking secret what we do. Someone sent us this thing the other day of these little girls getting high for the first time. And they videoed it and put it on YouTube. So one of the listeners sent it to us. And there was only like half a dozen hits on this, right? Yeah. And they're like, this is hysterical. And I watched it, and it was. But I'm like, these little kids have parents, and everyone's going to freak the fuck out. They're stupid to do it, but I still have this thing of, no, you don't fucking put that shit out there. It's different now. People love fucking, they love, it will start, well, I guess it started with you know, drinking, getting fucking drunk, but people love fucking smoking blunts, doing fucking drugs and shit. Pull your fucking blinds down. No. This is no one's fucking business. People love bragging about all the drugs they're doing and all the booze they're drinking. That, that's, that's what they I, love. Uh, Drinking is one thing. But when you're sitting there fucking doing illegal substances, you got to fucking keep that DL. Um, Mitch, Baltimore, you're on the Run Face show. Hey, Ronnie, I think you should get Pep uh, uh, a pair of those Google Glasses, because then if he wears them, he'd be the first cybernetic centaur. Hey, Dick, it's Google Glass, all right? Get Dude, the that's fuck right. The, he is. Stupid Pepper's jerk. right about that. And they won't even let him get anyone get fucking, they only gave out like 1,500 pairs. I love you, Pep. You don't love Dick. All right. Well, that's good then. <laughs> All right. Lucas got the Little Rascals referenced. I got a Grease Weaver. And he says it's right out there with my Shazam mentor reference. Uh, we're waiting on the. the Lovely Molly Shannon to uh, stop by. What was the name of that show that she was on this show? I love. I was talking to uh, Luke Wilson about her. Oh, um, Enlightened. God, that she was so good on that. Then she did that cracking up fucking TV series that I wished would have stayed around. She's done some good shit. She's great. She was in What Hot American Summer in a very funny part. Boy, you know, like Weezer, you guys will not drop the <laughs> Wet Hot American Summer. Well, we're getting a shitload of um, signatures on that Wet Hot American Summer DVD. That's true. We're getting towards almost all of them. It's, it's great. It's very exciting. You, you know they've talked about doing another one, like they're all grown up or doing a reunion or something. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like 20 years later or something. Or, I think they're going to do a prequel, even though they all look much older now. Well, they've, oh, that's <laughs> fucking really funny. But, you know, they never kind of left each other. They all stayed friends. Yeah. And, like, Elizabeth Banks like really blew up since that movie. Like, that was right before it really blew up for if, if And then... Um, and Rudd, almost, too, right? So her, yeah, too. her and Rudd were the ones that became kind of movie stars. But the rest of them have also been in a million different things. Oh, and what's his name? The the kid who's a big movie star. Um, the kid from Philly. Oh, uh... 
he did the movie called I'm Kind of Retarded, but I like the Eagles. And everyone's oh, saying Cooper, yeah, Cooper, yeah, my was, playbook is a good one. He was, uh, yeah, he was gay in that with the, the guy from the States, Mike Lee and Black. Yeah, they're all from the state. Yeah, pretty much. Amy what, are you going through a weird rambling stage right now? No, 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 I'm not rambling. I'm very on point. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think you look confused. <laughs> I think you need a Google Glass to remind you of names. Oh, oh, I love a Google Glass. Just to check it out for like a day. All right, so if you look at that movie, Red Hot American Summer, it may be the biggest like star-making movie of all time. Uh, there's a couple like that. American Graffiti is like that. Um, that Austin picture. Oh, the Outsider. Outsider is another one. Dazed and Confused is another one where everybody that was in it, you didn't necessarily know at the time. And then they all became big movie stars. This would make a perfect box for one of you kids back there looking for your next big run. Popcorn, I hope you're listening. I had to chuck popcorn yesterday for yelling out in front of a guest. Yeah. Do you have a talk with him about when guests come in? I'd let him know that, please, speak when spoken to. You're not helping anything. Or even just just, just, just fade out. Just fade fade away. Big Jay Okerson uh, had a long talk with me after. He goes, look, you booked me. I thought it was my time. And then I got a screaming intern next to me. It was uncomfortable. He goes, what the fuck is this? He got pissed. And that's all popcorn. Or really my fault, I'm his mentor. He said, he goes, I feel like playing Ha Ha Giggles in Bumfuck Alabama, the way this place runs. I go, well, you're not. It's the Ron Fez show. Come on, Big J. On the ONA channel in New York City. You should. This should be a respectable place. Pay no mind to the intern. Well, the thing is, it shouldn't even come up. <laughs> the know. intern should be invisible when a guest is here. It's weird because we all want a popcorn to be our favorite, but there's something about that Matty Ice. He just gets the work done. He's solid. Solid as some ice. Matty Ice should wear fucking diamonds everywhere. Oh, that'd be fucking sick. You know, ice. Like a baller, like he should be. Like the Long Island baller that he is. Sure he is. <laughs> um, Nick, you're on the Run of Fez show. You say Rick? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. Hey, Roddy, what about uh, Fast Time Ridgemont High? Remember how that everybody on that show blew up after that? Yeah, Nick Cage didn't even get a line. Yeah, he was in the background. He was sitting around like a goddamn idiot wearing a stupid paper hat. Looked good on him, though. Oh, I didn't say it didn't. Everything looks good on Nick Cage. <laughs> that was one of the biggest uh, things where everybody turned around... But the one guy that I really wanted to make it out of that um, did not the guy who did this line. You ready for it? Yeah. Yeah, this is great. Everything, any place you are, just act like it's great. <laughs> oh, it's um, <laughs> such an R. Come on, put your glass on. Put your Google glass on. I don't have Google glass on. I have a computer. I don't have Google it's glass. It's fucking Damone, God Damone, damn it. Yeah. I just want you to be so on I, point. I, it I, doesn't happen. I knew who he was. I just... I gotta put Facebook dot com slash Excedrin. Excedrin? Why would I look for what's the Excedrin thing about? The movie I thought was Scary Movie Five. Yeah. She's doing a little bit of work with Excedrin as well. Oh, I didn't know this. So what's the story with it? 
She's just the sponsor for it. She's just talking about Excedrin and it's... Head Fucking head case. is killing me. Well, thank so God. So we're going to be talking about Excedrin? Just just a tiny bit. It's Scary Movie 5, though. I'll just yell, thank God you're here with my Excedrin. <laughs> you fucking really Pinkerton up this playlist, though. Good. How much time do you spend on your playlist? Oh, I, I, I go through it so intricately. Do you really? To try to build the perfect, you know, the perfect list, the perfect mood. Who deserves Excedrin's the most? Sweepstakes. That's what she's going to be talking about. Do you use it as a hangover cure? Yeah, I pop Excedrin's. Ain't nobody's business. Well, she's the one and only Molly Shannon. Who doesn't love her? We all love her. Scary Movie 5 is coming out. And, of course, for Excedrin.com, Excedrin.com slash, uh, no, Facebook.com slash Excedrin. Let's bring in the lovely, hilarious Molly Shannon. Molly Shannon is here, looking fantastic. I How love just walking yeah. in and going. Hold on a second. Let me get yeah. my little headphones on. Hold on. Oh, good. Thank you very much. Now I'm all set. Now you're ready to go. Yeah, I like walking in and coming right on air. Right on air. It's kind of exciting. Well, I don't want you to ever say anything fantastic during a commercial break. I want everything to happen on air. I like that. As it's going down. Good, good. I like that. To bring the excitement. I want to get something out of the way. You and Mike White this year did the best TV (sighs) episode not only this year, but that I've seen in a long, long time. That's so sweet. It was so fantastic. Thank you so much. I know. Uh, thank you. It, you know, I, I really appreciate you saying that, and it is one of my all-time favorite acting experiences ever. Really? Because Mike White's a friend of mine, and he knows how to write for me, and I just love that it's sweet and dramatic and touching, and I love, it, you know, it's a scene about two people trying to get close and kind of how hard that is. And I feel like in the movies, you always see the glossy version of that. Right. But I like how awkward and kind of scary it is and fumbly. Yeah. I love that. And why even open yourself up? Because pain could happen. It's such, such yeah. a risk for people to do. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. But I, I was saying this to, to uh, I, Luke Wilson came in and I was like, oh. before that, I was always like, oh, Mike White is this funny, clever guy. After that, I'm like, he's genius that's that yeah. was just brilliant it's so sweet oh, oh. the monologue that he wrote the, at the beginning and the end it was yeah. like poetry it was like fantastic poetry yeah. oh 
Thank you. Were you bummed that it was canceled? I was well, shocked. What did you think, or did you like the way it ended? Well, I did. I the way that it wrapped up, I'm like they did a great job of wrapping it up. You can go with the series, but I was very surprised that uh, that that they weren't bringing the show back because it was so unique, I so know. strange and unique. Yeah, I know. I, I I agree, and it was very novelistic in the way it was done, where he could focus on one character for one episode and another character for another episode. I thought it was inspiring as far as television goes. Right. Yeah, more like a meditation. But maybe that'll bring them back to the movies, and it'll be a good thing in the long run. You can never tell. I know, I know. Well, I'll tell Mike what you said. He will be so happy. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And so, wasn't Luke great in the show too? He was terrific, and it was a whole. You know, they did things with with him that he never had a chance to do every, so anywhere true. else. Yeah, I feel like you've never seen him be better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, more vulnerable, you know. Uh, well, everybody on the show was just so damn vulnerable, you know. It was Aww. just such a. I think that it was an uneasy show. Yeah, that's what people know? say. Like, hard to watch sometimes. Yeah, yeah. there was times you're like, oh, that's a little too painful. Yeah. yeah. And Laura Dern was so incredible. She's such a nice person. So, okay. you. That's the thing with you. You're always involved in. All kinds of different stuff, aren't you? I am. I try to do all different stuff and just have fun. Yeah. I mostly just think, does it seem like fun, you know? Mm -hmm. Kind of how I approach things. But uh, but was has that always been like, that way since the beginning? Or? No, because I used to have to make money. I mean, I still <laughs> have to always make money and think about that, and right. supporting my family. But, no, in the beginning, I really struggled. I, I worked in restaurants for a lot of years, and I was a hostess, and I did telemarketing, and I, I did any all kinds of jobs. And I really kind of struggled for a while. And, and at a certain point, I was like, oh, I was, there was so much rejection with trying to break into TV that at a certain point, actually, right before I got SNL, I was like, God, I don't even know if I have the heart to do this anymore because it kind of hurt my feelings. Like when you get rejected, and you keep trying. And I, I but so then I took like a year off and I just focused on my stage show and developing my show and comedy. And, but I took a year off where I didn't audition at all. And I just focused on my material and writing. And then I got SNL shortly after that. And then, then it just blew up for you. It did, yeah. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Brewer actually said that no one got bigger laughs than you ever that he's ever seen. He said it was like a roar Aww. anytime in that in the back of his mind. He was like, "That's what I want." That's you know? so sweet. Jim Brewer's such a great guy. Wow, what? How generous of him to say that. Well, uh, I think he just said it factually. I don't think he meant to be nice about it. He <laughs> was just like, "This was the point I wanted to go for." But isn't that the amazing thing about this business? Is that that was there, and yet you still were struggling enough to quit it's like people they have a f hard time finding talent breaking through with your talent is a tough thing always yeah wait what were you saying about a hard time to quit well it was so hard on you at first you were thinking about quitting right yeah, before that happened i was isn't that you wild know? that's why you got to stick with it sometimes sometimes what are the quiet before the storm yeah or whatever yeah i know i'm so glad i stuck I stuck with it. Yeah, I'm so glad. And then, you know, when you go, the difference, I think, with men and women, when you go into motherhood, that takes a uh, certain focus other places where I don't think men do that as much. Yeah. I think men are like, yeah, I got a kid at home. And off they go. But for women, it's a totally different experience it is i love being a mother and for me i'm so happy that i that i made it happen because i was career driven for so long that i actually thought oh god maybe this is going to work out maybe i'm not going to meet somebody in time but luckily it all fell into place so i feel so fulfilled being a mom you love it i love it all right i'm going to sound like a stalker but about okay. five years ago in the west village i saw you pushing your kids no. and you were talking away to them oh. and i'm like and i actually thought i i actually said she's the greatest mother That's she is so the greatest sweet it seemed 
seemed like you were doing a little show for them as you were walking down the really? street. Really? Yeah. That's so sweet. That gets me choked up. I do love being a mom. Oh, my God. I think it's because my mom died when I was little. So, they're like little things that they do, I'm just like, oh my god, I can't believe I get to be there for them. Right. It's very, it, give, it, it gives me so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I think fathers go, wait, how old are you guys? What, what happened? You guys uh, did some stuff I heard when I was away on a business trip? Oh my god. I don't know. I, I It's the funniest thing, but women have to, I guess, juggle both if you want to do both, right? Yeah, you if you want to do both. Yeah, you do yeah. have to juggle both. But did, did suddenly show business drop down for you? What you cared it did about? drop down mostly a little bit, but because I wanted it to. Like I, 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 um, I did Kath and Kim after I left SNL, which was a single camera show. But I have to say, it's hard if you're the mom and you're the star of one of those shows because it's so many hours per week. Mm-hmm. So I didn't love it. I didn't like it too much. It felt like too much work. Yeah. Whereas now I kind of feel in a better position where I can, you know, I did Enlighten and then I do guest spots on TV shows and I do a movie, but I can take months off or weeks off. And so for me, that makes me happier. I would do a series again if it's the right thing, but it would really have to be close to the right thing. Like, you know, to, for me to work that hard and be away from the kids that long. I just don't want to regret. I don't think when they're 18, I'm going to go, I wish I would have worked more. Right. You know, I don't feel that way. No, I I, th- I don't know if anyone's ever said that. I really should have worked harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think that's I look it. back at my life now, and I wish I would have spent more time at the office. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> so I just don't want to do a really good job while they're home and they're living with me, and I want to... But I still work makes me very happy, but I just do want to do a good job and try to really have a good balance where uh-huh. it's not too much all work. Is it weird for them that people know who you are and throw that, out catchphrases at you and stuff? That is weird. I think they're like, I just try to talk about it with them. Like I'm like most more my my son's really easy going about it. I feel more sensitive with my daughter, so I'll just ask her, does that seem weird, or does that bother you if we get interrupted? And she'll go, no, it's okay. I kind of include her in it, because I don't, because I, it can be weird, because strangers talk to you a lot, mm-hmm. and it can take up our time. So I'm a little uh, shorter with people if, if I'm with my kids, I'm probably not. Whereas if I'm alone, I'm very outgoing, and I'll spend time talking to people. But if I'm with them, I'm like, oh, thank you so much. I keep it quick. Yeah. Because I don't want to, you know, yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah, I can't imagine, because when you were, especially when they're really little you just feel like any attention away from you is yeah. horrific yeah you know yeah <laughs> exactly but um, what was i gonna say but they're pretty sweet about it though they they seem to understand and i tell them that i want to be nice because those people are fans and they, uh-huh. they understand because mo- a lot of that stuff happened before they were born right a lot of the catchphrase stuff yeah. that you're known for yeah they don't understand any of that <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're like what <laughs> yeah they don't understand oh well actually i have a funny story about that I took my kids, um, Stella and Nolan, with their two friends, Chella and Sophia, these twin girls, to the Grove to see a movie. And Chella came, and people come up to me and do Superstar, and they do right. stuff. And um, they didn't, the, none of the kids knew what that was about, but right. Chella went home and told her mom. She was like, she was like, I feel so bad for Molly because all these people come up to her and they smell their armpits. And I don't know why they do that. It makes me feel bad for Molly. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's fantastic. So they're like, what are these people doing? Yeah. They, they mock her so bad yeah, it's yeah. awful yeah they were like huh uh you got uh scary movie five yep that coming. comes out friday and that's something that you could just work on and get back to your life or... exactly i shot it in like two weeks in atlanta and it was so easy and so fun and working with david zucker was so fantastic and it's just like fun yeah two weeks so it's like 
it would be like a vacation mm-hmm. because you work, but then you're staying in a fancy hotel. I love it. Did everybody go along with you, or is it something that you go off? That particular one, they didn't go along with me. I think I did it in two separate, like, four days here, and then I came, went back to L.A., and then maybe four more days. So I, I went by myself mm-hmm. for that particular trip. I didn't bring them. And you like drama as much as comedy, right? Yes, I love it. I like, yes, dramatic comedy. Now, it's got to be a dramatic comedy, so you want something... Well, it could just be just drama. I actually yeah. just did Hannibal, too. Brian oh, Fuller yeah, created yeah. that. I'm in that. He wrote me a part in that. So that's, I'm so excited. That's all drama. Well, yeah, and there's so much good stuff coming to TV now, too, isn't there? It's yeah. like weirdly... TV is where it's at. Yeah. It's It's better than the movies i think i i know that it is don't you think i I, particularly i think if you're not 15 i think you know if you're 15 you like to see explosions and robots beat up monsters or whatever they do there yeah but it seems like everything that we liked about the movies in the 90s is now on tv and i used to complain about tv so much and now i complain i can't keep up i'm taping shows to go back and watch what shows do you watch i'm watching everything that hbo's doing the showtime Mm -hmm. stuff there's Sundance is doing this thing that Holly Hunter's part of called Top of the Lake Ooh. right now out of New Zealand that is so dark and great. I can't believe that it's on wow. TV. Wow. Yeah. Do you watch Louie? Oh, yeah. Louis, Isn't that such a good show? He's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, is actually really, really good at radio. He comes in and does this. He was just here last week. He oh does Opie and Anthony's show all the time. And... Um, We've known him since he was like a stand-up, but wow. the what he did on TV was like an independent film. It, it just yeah. going out and doing your own thing, and the the really cool thing about that is everyone's going. That's exactly what I want to do. Everyone yeah. behind him, you know, says that's exactly the way I want my career to go. Yeah, it's so inspiring. Yeah, yeah. But he's writing that. Oh my uh, god! Direct, he has to be working so hard. Editing everything, it's incredible. But again, it's dramatic sometimes too, mm-hmm. and sad and moving, but funny. Right. It just it's like it's like my favorite kind of thing. Yeah, it is. And then the the other cool thing is he doesn't have to do twenty three of them a year it's like the, the old days. So it's I, not I, a great schedule. I like the short form. Yeah, I yeah. think it's much like the BBC. Yeah, it is. And then you don't have to fill that stuff with. Nonsense, yeah. Yeah, exactly. After a while, it becomes nonsense. And people get too, you know, it's interesting. I think the showrunners or writers, they get so burned out, it's too much. Right. It doesn't, it's not great for creativity, because I think people get too tired. It can be too much. Right. And then before you know it, you're out of ideas, so you bring in the crazy cousin or whatever they do. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And then it's just nothing but trouble. Like, let's bring a crazy cousin in here that's that's jive. That's so Um, funny. You're doing something with Excedrin. Yeah. Well, yes, so. I'm so excited to be um, when the makers of Excedrin Extra Strength asked me to partner with them on this campaign. Um, headaches certainly are not a funny subject, right. but but um, when I think about certain situations that give you headaches, I would definitely have a sense of humor about those situations. But if you go to the Excedrin Facebook page, they're if you can vote on who deserves Excedrin the most, and they're mm-hmm. giving away prizes and a chance to win the sweepstakes and they also have these really super funny videos about headache inducing situations well we're go- we've already put it in for our producer here chris stanley because we're the one we give him headaches so oh, do we, you so yeah. cr- okay so he needs some excedrin he, he's in early and then he stays late and then when he gets home i call him with another idea and i add another 10 hours to his <laughs> life 
So it, it's a nightmare for him. Oh. Every idea he's got to be a part of. I so, love it. Chris, we're going to shoot the video with you and put it up there. I can't wait. Yeah. Because the pain, the pain is like shooting through my brain right <laughs> is now. Is it? Yeah. Now, he... <laughs> I love uh, your voice. He does... Doesn't he have a great yeah, voice? Yeah, yeah. Both of you do. Well, he's he's gruff. That's the thing about him. He's gruff. So he's threatening people <laughs> all the time for me. But see, he's also a TV guy, and he likes this centaur show that's it's, on HBO. It's Game of Thrones. There's yeah, dragons, there's not centaurs. centaurs. So unicorns. many writers love that show. That's like their favorite show. Yeah. And he pretends. He dresses up like at, at his house. What's well, called pretends. LARPing. What's oh. it called? LARPing. See, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not familiar <laughs> with that. Funny. But that's what he loves. He loves to, to get out there and play. You started an improv? I did. I um. I I did. Um. I did my own show. I took mm-hmm. classes at Second City, but I wasn't like one of those like super professional improvisers with space work. I could never right. get that. Like Mike Myers, like some of those people are from right. that real technical improvisational school. No, I just met people in improv class, and then I developed my own comedy show called The Rob and Molly Show with this guy Rob Muir, and we just did a bunch of characters. Like I would do a character, he would do a character, and. Um, in that show, I did Mary Catherine Gallagher and Sally O'Malley, and we we put together a 50-minute stage show, and we would do it like every two months in L.A., and I would invite everybody and pay for the piano player, and that's how I got Saturday Night Live really? from that comedy show. And it was always like there was always a vulnerability to your characters. Yeah. Was that something you felt yourself, or...? It's something I felt myself. Like, I, mm. I never want to make fun of the characters. I don't like when people make fun of a character like i care about those characters and they come from inside me so i like when they have heart and they're more human mm-hmm. and then you know what they want and you can relate to what they want and yeah it's from inside of me so i feel like yeah it's serious to me it is serious even to though you. it's comedy yeah but you feel like you want to take care of that character you would not yeah i'm not making fun of it i have love for them yeah yeah well, Amali, everybody has a love for you, Aww. too, as well. And I'm glad that you're helping Chris Stanley with this Excedrin thing, too. <laughs> Thank Folks you, Molly out there, If you want to compete, I think we've already got a, a, a winner, but it's Excedrin.com if you think that you can come up with something better than what Chris Stanley goes through every day, because it's painful. Or you can go to Facebook.com slash Excedrin. Thank you. Thank you so much so for nice stopping by. so nice to be by. here. He's so sweet. You know, Danny Aykroyd was in earlier, and I, I wish know. you guys would I have... I saw him. Oh, did you? Yeah, I got seen such a nice guy yeah. Yeah, and like all part you. of that same legacy I know, you know isn't like that amazing a he's a real level headed guy Yeah, it's nice to see it alright we'll see you, you next see. time okay, go, bye. okay bye thank you How cute is she? Oh, she's great. Love Molly Shannon. Who doesn't love her? She's actually lovable. Hell yeah. And she's healing people with Excedrin. Enough with Excedrin. (laughs) 
But that was nice because we went and got her without Excedrin. Exactly. That's really cool. So we got to put together that goddamn movie with you really fast. Can I get a bottle of Excedrin? I like that I could use you as like my Jeffrey Tambor and just be like, yeah, Hicks is doing it. Terrible headaches, Molly. I'm bleeding out of my ears right now. She is so sweet. She's really nice. And oddly hot. I don't think that's, I don't think there's any oddness about it. Well, always with funny girls, I think that you like the funny girls, don't you? Mm-hmm. When a girl is funny, it's bonus. Like Rainy Polish, Tina Fey, Molly Shannon's just All sexy. fantastic and sexy. Yeah, just brilliant. The Sarah Silverman's, we're oh, doing yeah. the Amy uh, Schuler uh, next week. Also, uh, oddly hot, Brad Garrett. Oh, God, yeah. And that's happening. That's Unmasked with Brad Garrett's happening next Wednesday, April 17th at 1 p.m. here at Sirius. Go to iBank.com to find out how to get tickets. That's next Wednesday, April 17th, 1 p.m. Unmasked with Brad Garrett. Oddly hot. Yeah, he, you got to get on this, too, because he has like his own fan sites. I didn't even know about that. But yeah. they're blowing up with people that we've never even met before. And we're like, wow. This isn't for you. This is for our people. This is for the XXMs in the world. But they're all clamoring to get in. So if you want to be part of this, he's six foot nine, so we might put up a backboard um, and uh, have some fun with it. I'm your boogeyman. What was that all about? The KC. Oh, man, Shrekalove wrote me something. I didn't even see it in time. That Molly Shannon did Promises, Promises on Broadway. She said she was hyperventing and laughing so hard. Fez, even with the air off, she froze. Even with the air off, she was... Is the, is that vent, even when nobody feels it. Maybe we got to put them in a different seat. Yeah, I mean, because that the the seat where Fez is sitting and where guess usually sits, that usually gets hit with some air. But here's what we uh, think about doing: we should just mic the couches and go over and do like a little Merv Griffin thing and just sit down at the couches. That'd be nice. Music yeah, there's no reason not to walk over to the couch. Yeah, and it was completely off today. She was freezing anyway. Maybe I'll just get a, like a garbage bin, and start some fires in here, so we can just do it around the bin fire. Uh, lady trucker. Yes, um, Ron, how come you didn't ask Molly what sex that Pat's character is? Because she wasn't Pat. You fucking idiot. How much you know what? Lady what? Trucker's banned forever now. Banned. No. Banned. No. She's not Pat. Could you imagine if you would have given me that thing and then I would have asked her that? Now, when you played Pat, what sex were you? <laughs> that was a gigantic mistake. She's probably now, high on pills. No, she's not Pat. What was the uh, other girl from that show? Even before uh, Molly Shannon did it. Julia Sweeney is Pat. Thank you. I like that juicy way you said Julia Sweeney, too. She's slurping through every bit of it. I love Pat. I feel the air kick back up now. Nice. It feels like better cool. Because <laughs> I'm looking over at her and she's just hugging herself. That's crazy. And she had a whole crew of fucking girls with her, too. Huh? She had a posse. If we didn't have that couch in here, I don't know what we'd do. And they were all, like, happy with the et cetera, and they're like, yeah, 
Saturn's getting some bumps. I wish we could do her for our mast, but she lives in L.A. now, too. If we didn't get her on this trip, I don't know when we would. But so sweet. Uh, Matt, Boston, you're on the Run of Fest show. Matt, we got you, buddy? Hey, Ron. Hey, Ron. hey Chris. How you guys doing? Yeah. Hi. Uh, listen, calling in response to your discussion earlier about Buckhead and the fact they didn't win a championship and how does that affect his legacy? Um, in my opinion, it's sports-specific and how it affects your legacy. Uh, some sports are more about the team versus the individual. With the team-oriented sports, you can stand out, stand out individually and fail to win the top prize. Well, I think only the quarterback in football is affected whether or not he wins the championship. The quarterback, to get that legacy as one of the greatest of all time, you don't. You have to win. It may not be fair, but you have to win a championship. The middle linebacker doesn't have to. A defensive lineman or an offensive lineman doesn't have to. Uh, even with a running back, I don't think he has to. I don't think anybody holds it against OJ that his team never went far into the playoffs, but they will hold it against the quarterback. Quarterback is the goddamn captain. I know, but why doesn't anyone else take that thing? I think because it's up and even above captain. You're like, can you lead these guys? Are you? Because a leadership role plays a really uh, big part of that. But in, let's say in basketball, do you hold it against Steve Nash? No. Do you hold it against the round mound to rebound? I kind of feel like you do. I kind of feel like to be one of the greats in basketball. You, you've got to have a ring uh, to certainly make that top tier of guys. Only because you have some guys out there that can sit around and say, I have uh, a fucking purse full of rings. Um, why am we talking sports without talking, the sp- talking with the sports master, Matty Ice? Let's bring him in here. You know, I might want to get Brad Brad Garrett and Matty Ice to play one on one. Oh, please, we have to. We have to. We can set up a hoop in the fishbowl, no problem. The thing is, I'm not sure whether Garrett might have blown his blown his knees out over the years. Hey, that's on him. Listen, we got this young stud ready to go at it, and if he wants to defend himself, he can do it next Wednesday in the fishbowl. I don't mind saying that. Let's do it. Oh shit! He's always ready to compete. Why not? He's down. No. I'll put. I will play one-on-one against Brad Garrett if Brad Garrett agrees to play one-on-one with me. No, not even that he agrees. <laughs> okay, you just, just come <laughs> crashing in and just fucking dunk over him during the unmask. Just body him up immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And then you yell out, this is my house. And, you know, make it, you know, just make a fucking statement right off the bat. This is going to be a fucking awesome unmask. Yeah. And then I'll yell out, oh shit, son. All right, you put together uh, a kind of a what-if list here. Uh, it's the five this week, uh, sports alternate histories. It's the five This is the five Now, if you want to join in on this, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Matty Ice going to what if the 
alternate histories to some of the biggest things in sports. Is this something that you sit around and do in your head, Manny? How does this happen? It's, I don't know. Just the interest in me is that if, if one little, one small thing changes or one big thing changes, it mm-hmm. changes the entire history of the sport. It changes. Changes everything. The sport itself would change. All right, give us the first one. The first one is, what if Ken Griffey Jr. could have stayed healthy? Ken Griffey Jr., probably the purest ball player of his time. A guy who, and his name is almost forgotten in a lot of weird ways because he came up in that steroid age and other guys had flashier seasons. He was never never once accused of steroids in like a serious sense Well, because he was too hurt <laughs> you know if he was doing steroids he would have felt better but he was the smoothest looking guy in the field on the lines he was so and, fun to watch yeah i mean but he was and if you can say this about another man beautiful out on the field he was beautiful in the way, like, a fucking horse running is beautiful, or deer, Graceful. or a fucking leopard. Yes, he was just like, the ball would be hit, and he would get to it with a lack of drama. There would just be a smoothness to the way he played yeah. the game. They had 22 seasons, but he missed six seasons worth of games, and, and still Jeez. retired fifth, fifth in career home runs. Well, he had over 600 home 630. runs. 630. 6.30. Uh, and the batting average was never an embarrassment. It was around, I think he retired at 285, I believe. Uh, 285 lifetime with 630 home runs. Really approaching that kind of Willie Mays type yeah. career. And yet, if you say to people Willie Mays, they have it on a different pedestal than if you said Junior. Why is that? I think it, it has to be the injury history. It has to be the steroid era. Because he was never accused, but he was lumped in with the Maguires and the Sosas and the Bonds and the Giambis. Mm-hmm. He was in that crew of 50 home run hitters. And a lot of people in their heads think, all right, they're all the same. Right. All of them are in that same clump of guys. They're all kind of pushed aside because of the steroids. But who knows if he had stayed healthy, hit 750 home runs, if then people start saying, all right, now look at him more. Let's really take a good look into Griffey and see. Let's start start accusing him, basically. But you know, you're saying he was he was hurt for six seasons of it, six seasons worth of games. Six worth of games, yes. He could have hit 800. There's a possibility that that guy could have hit 800. It was not like late in his career either. It was when he was, you know, he was young. 30 to 33. Yeah. So that could be three more 40 home run years, 35 home run years, and that's another. 120 or so, and that's bringing you to 750. And then if you miss those other three seasons worth, then it's not easy 800, but it's a very, very possible 800. Uh, he's playing the 1F game. It's a little bit of uh, alternate history. It's up on the iBang, uh, and you can also call in at 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. And I had never heard anyone talk about this before but it's rare if you heard people say my favorite ball player of all time is junior and i i wouldn't say it myself but after you bring it up i'm like that guy was phenomenal it was the small market thing also was seattle and cincinnati and no one really cares that much there it's not like he played in 
L.A. or New York or even Texas or right. Boston. It was and Seattle. it was without the rings, and it was... Uh, you didn't get a lot of uh, the October drama, which right. you also need to do. And, you know? There's a whole lot of half seasons also. Right. Where it'd be great for half season, then, he, then he'd fade away, he'd get hurt, and you forget about him. He'd be gone. It's out of your mind. I want to come up with something, and maybe I'll work on this with the people of Excedrin, but no one ever gets hurt again. Write that down. It's probably the list of shit I want you to do. Right, I want to come up with some kind of pill. Pill. Excedrin laced, obviously, and yeah. maybe with some skull vodka, crystal skull vodka. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, because there's none of the impurities that anyone else has. No, it's the juice. But no one will ever... It's not the juice, dude. It's juice. everybody. Juice. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's everybody. Oh. Gentiles do. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to be using some kind of an orange rind in it, though. Orange. Or bug spray. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, see, that's, that's what you don't want to use. That's the bad stuff. This is why I'm thinking outside the box. I disagree with you. I think that you can spray bug spray directly into people's faces, and it'll help. That, no, it's bad for them. That's, that's poison. Uh, all right, give me your uh, your next one. I was beat up last time for not putting hockey on the list. No, you say, here's the thing. Oh, yeah. You react to listeners. Uh, you're not like Fez. You react to the listeners. By the way, Fez, one side of that mustache is tremendously bigger than the other. <laughs> tremendously bigger than the other. One looks like it, it uh, is going off into infinity, and the other one's trimmed. All right, what do you got on the... Because um, it's not just me listening to the callers. It's It really was a giant step in hockey when Gretzky was traded from the Oilers to the Kings. Mm -hmm. He was... Basically, the Oilers were really short on money. He needed cash, so he called up, you know, I need $15 million right. and draft picks and whatnot, and, and, and Gretzky will go to you, which he's obviously the best player at the time by a, by a long shot. So Canada went crazy. They actually protested to the government to nullify the deal, which mm -hmm. I don't know how that one works, but they actually tried to do that. And he brought hockey to America because America didn't, care as much when the best player is not in the Hold country. On, I gotta call the people in Philadelphia that I grew up with and let them know hockey didn't get there till fucking long after the Broad Street Bullies. Look at this guy. Didn't care as much. But let's just say this. That's the worst thing that happened, I think, to hockey rather than a good thing. It didn't belong out west. It didn't belong down south. It belongs in Canada and some border cities. The what? worst thing about I, the worst thing I could think about that is we took Canada's sport from them and diluted it and made it shitty. But now it's because because it was kind of on, on a downslide. Got a new deal with Sport Channel, which. It made more money, but it gave it to a third of the viewers. So mm -hmm. it was less viewership. And then in the 10, 15 years after Gretzky came into California, they expanded nine teams in the South and the West. So who knows if that happens, if he doesn't bring no, that mainstream I know, hockey I agree, to California. I agree, but I also think that that diluted the sport, and the sport really should have stayed what it actually is, a Canadian sport. And then, of course... People along the border grew up with it as well, and they love it. But it's really a winter sport for winter people. I'm it not saying, stinks in Tampa. It stinks everywhere else it's played. I'm not saying that it made hockey better, but it right. changed hockey. I will agree with it that. It definitely changed hockey for Americans. All right, I got one for you now. What if Archie Manning and his wife 
gave birth to spider monkeys. Would they have still <laughs> ended up taking the Colts and the Giants to the Super Bowl? Chris Stanley, discuss. They would have probably just murdered these freak monster babies. Hold on. Yeah. They've got robot brains. Discuss. Well, with the robot brains, and yeah, then they can calculate how to throw a football perfectly. Thank you. That's what I'm talking about. And having a spider monkey arm to really fucking whip that thing. But I think pretty... they would have still gone to championships, plus the other brother's spine would have been fine. But they're pretty short for quarterback spider monkeys. They're pretty small animals. Yeah, but they jump. Oh. Russell Wilson, that quarterback. Oh, how they jump. <laughs> Just you climbing over the whole line. You seriously really, are racist. That's really fucked up, Matty Ice. <laughs> Why? We're, put two and two and against spider monkeys. That's four. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's... Um, all right, hold on. Uh, Freak has a problem with you. Go ahead, Freak. Of course he does. What the fuck is this kid talking about? Hockey was very clearly the fourth major sport in America as a Canadian sport. When it came to America, it took all the fucking heat off it. No one gave a shit about it anymore. Now it's fighting with MLS. The I actually main- said the same thing. I And I honestly think it's something along with... Uh, slavery that America should it's part of our dark past that we destroyed somebody else's national sport right but it did it did expand it in America it, it, it definitely changed it right because they added nine teams three of them in California so maybe it wasn't great for hockey but it definitely changed it no it changed you there's no doubt about that uh, rice and beans you're on the run fest show hey what up man um, what about the Giants and Buffalo Bills, 1986 Super Bowl? Scott Norwood missed that field goal. I think that would have changed Buffalo. If they would have made that field goal, I think Buffalo would have went ahead and won a couple of more Super Bowls. Not even that, though, but I think that the city of Buffalo would be thriving today. I think it would be a financial center. <laughs> And this really has like a Back to the Future 2 thing going on. It's all, It almost looks like that. Uh, Norwood is a perfect uh, case. It wouldn't have hurt the Giants any. They didn't give a shit one way or another. They don't need a championship. The championship, championship they could use more. to Buffalo would be huge. Yeah. It would It draws stars in. And yet, beyond that, that entire city, they carry this we will find a way to lose <laughs> that life isn't fair and life is horrible and it's out to destroy us uh 866 ron zero fez but now they have kevin kolb so that's fine that's working out and i knew i knew he would eventually end up there he just has that feeling uh or you can write up on the ibang but it's 866 ron zero fez 866 ron zero fez all right let's go into your third one what if Jordan had succeeded in baseball. This is the most far out one that you have so far. <laughs> it is. Because I, I had the opportunity to see him play. He wasn't very good. He swung poorly. He never was comfortable. He hit 202. Yeah. But what if? It's a what if game, okay. right? So what if he succeeded in baseball and he continued on to major leagues? Would he have still gone back to the Bulls? Or would he have stayed? I would think no, because he had already felt, and we had already thought he'd proven himself. Right. He won his three championships, mm-hmm. and his dad died, who went into baseball. That was right. his dad's goal for him. So his dad probably would have lived if that would have happened. Well, his dad died before that. Then he was free to go and do what he wanted to do, which is play basketball. Maybe the whole thing could be, what if his dad would have lived? What if his dad would have lived, and he probably would have stayed in basketball, I would think. Uh, but... but 
it's an interesting case because here's who it's interesting for. Take a look at his coach. That's what I have in there also. Would would Phil have gotten the job in L.A. and then he never coaches uh, fucking Kobe and Holy Kobe and Shaq shit. might have really warred out there. And you know, Phil the was the up. thing that was able to balance them. So you change even a difference there. Right. It's very possible that Phil does not go down as the best coach of, of all oh, time. Oh, absolutely. So, but it would be easier to play this game as what if Michael Jordan's bus would have crashed and he never <laughs> went back to Chicago. Because yeah. I saw him play. <laughs> oh, God, was that painful. It's the same, same idea. But right. I, I decided to go with this one, you know, so he didn't have to die in the story. Or, what if Michael Jordan would have been gang raped by these bikers <laughs> who then sold him into slave, like some gang kind of sex slave? Slavery. Yeah, in Guatemala. Would Guatemala suddenly start having a better basketball so team? So is that more or less likely than him succeeding in baseball? I think it's way more likely. <laughs> but the Phil Jackson aspect of this is my favorite part of it. It's Phil Jackson, it's Scottie Pippen, it's all these players who played around him, and the coach, are they regarded as highly without those next three rings. How much do you think Phil wished he would have won a championship when Michael was gone? Because they that went back be... to the playoffs yeah. every year, but they just obviously they were playing without, without Michael. Michael. Exactly. Rodman may have never gone to Korea. Well, he certainly wouldn't have come to Chicago. There was no reason for that to happen. He was only brought in because he was somebody who wasn't going to fucking... Uh, Touch the basketball unless it was mm. for a rebound. Um, Brad, you're on the Run and Fez show. Speaking of the Windy City, gentlemen, what happens if Steve Bartman never screws that ball back in the 2003 playoff? They still lose that game. <laughs> 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 They're still the Cubs. I will say whatever you want about Bartman. I have become a fan of the guy not cashing in on this in any way and not being a dick. He, he just, just wants to live his life. Yeah, he just wants to be a person, which is almost unheard of in American life. He's abused every day by everybody. Just nonstop abuse. if you go back and watch that, maybe the ball would have been caught, maybe it wouldn't have been caught. But it doesn't stop the fact that they, they just Hell, unraveled. Mark. They unraveled that night. Three years later, Moise Salou said he wasn't catching the ball. He waited three years to say that. Uh, it, it was well, that there anyway. Well, I wasn't going to say it that day. Fuck that shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was one I would have fucking pulled, pulled out. I didn't even know that Moises said that, though. Yeah, he did. It was like three, four, maybe five years later. He gave Bartman three to five years of abuse and then said, yeah, don't worry. I wouldn't have caught it anyway. Um, here's Kevin. You're on the Run of Fez show. Ronnie, you know how, uh, how Jordan was. Jordan loved the fact that he was the best and, and he had to come back to Washington he had to go to Washington because he hated the fact that everyone else was getting his shine and as soon as people started talking about the other guys winning championships you know let's say the Rockets kept on winning he, he couldn't have handled it because he had to be the very best he couldn't stand anyone else being better than he was and I think he would have absolutely gone back to basketball because of it um Somebody just sent me that Gawker, exactly when we were on with Molly Shannon, came out with some TV ad that she did for the NRA. God damn it, I would have loved to have brought that up to her. Um, yeah, but he didn't have it anymore. If he wanted to make it in, ba in baseball, he was going to have to give it at least five to seven years. Yeah, that's anyway, how long it takes. And that would have kept the three other championships from happening. He was a, a hard worker in baseball. He was there early every morning. He was there late every night. He just couldn't. He was a basketball player. What was he, two years in that game? 
Uh, two years in baseball? I think it was one. Just one? He was only gone for one year? Why did it feel longer to me? Because he's Michael Jordan out of basketball. I thought he uh, he didn't spend two spring trainings in baseball. Maybe he spent one more spring training and then left and then said, all right, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm back to basketball. But you know what else is weird about Michael? He did not lose any of his fucking shine at all no. down there. Like, even like he's in Florida riding around on a bus and shit and packing places and people would go screaming and he would fucking strike out people would like oh, Michael Mike oh, I mean we just I don't think that we have a star like this that today. everyone loves yeah uh like little kids love the and adults love and everybody's crazy about um damn I'm so pissed about that Molly Shannon thing Jordan did retire, announced his retirement in 93, came back in the 95-96 season, so he was gone for two years. All right, here's the, here's another way to look at this. Suppose he doesn't take those two years off. Suppose he never gambled. Would he have eight? Could he have done eight in it's a row? It's the same team. I don't see why he couldn't have had eight in a row. It's Now, how would we be discussing Michael Jordan if he won eight in a row? Because there are people now who are saying LeBron is better than Michael. I don't. I don't think you would ever have said that if he wins eight no, in a row. Michael Jordan's the greatest American athlete of all time. Uh, above everyone else. If you win eight fucking championships in a oh, row. Oh, yeah. It's not even discussed. <laughs> it's just it's the most dominant athlete of any sport ever. But see, here's the way people forget. Look at the Boston Celtics. They won, what, 13, 11 and 13 yeah, years? It's 11. And you, you, I've never heard you once bring up Bill Russell. <laughs> By the way, I saw him up at the burger joint one day. I thought I was going to fucking faint. I just watched him eat fucking cheeseburger, and then I went over and I said to him, "I go, I've never seen anybody eat a cheeseburger like that before." But How do you I go, "Huh?" How do you just with so much grace and style. But I said this. But you want to fucking step out to the court right now? Donut. That's all I'm fucking giving you. Wait. I go, you won't become within fucking fifteen feet. So you just come up to him while he's eating, and then. Try to then I slapped his fucking yeah, fries off. Kind the of a threat, really. And I go get fucking used to that shit because it's all going back in your face for the rest of the day. I was just trying to eat. Um, here's uh, Dave in Tennessee. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddies. Yeah, I've often wondered uh, how Bo Jackson's career would have would have been had he just signed with the Bucks instead of you know refusing to play for him and you know getting hurt early in his career. It's uh, well, first of all, if he signs with the Bucks. If the Bucks hadn't fucked up everything with you, Culver House, I don't even think baseball comes up. Bo Jackson was one that just missed the cut on this. It was Griffey over Bo for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it very easily could have changed his his career. If he was playing for... If he didn't decide to play baseball, maybe his hip stays healthy. Maybe he's the best running back, or, or, or one of the best running backs of mm -hmm. that era, maybe of all time. It's hard to say what happens if his hip doesn't blow out. But I don't even think he attempts baseball. And then the legend of Bo Jackson is he's just a football player. You know what I mean? Like he's AP or something. Just which, a very football player. Which is great and all, but it doesn't have that superhero the, context. The aura of the two-sport yeah. athlete. Did you watch the 30 for 30 on him? I did. This is my favorite. I watched that one. I watched the Gretzky one. I watched the Jordan one all, all in the last like, day and a half. Just sitting around just enjoying <laughs> Just sitting around watching 30 for 30s. It's a good series. It is. It really is. That fucking Bo Jackson one you choke on, though. 
And you just see him on his fucking, he doesn't even know. He just he pops doesn't even out, know. Pops back yeah, in. He doesn't even know how bad it really is. I act like I was getting up, getting the water for myself, and I just went and stood in front of the sink with the faucet on. Just fucking looking down. <laughs> just like, I know it ain't going to get any better. Yeah. I mean, everybody in there is very hopeful right now, but it ain't getting any better. Maybe he'll just go and kill a lot more animals. Well, he did. Well, he seems happy. He's a crazy hunter now, just making arrows in his backyard. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good. That's beautiful. All right, what's your next one? The next one is the most out there one by a long shot. So what if there was no race barrier in baseball? In the 1910s, 20s, 30s, what if the Negro Leagues were allowed to play with Major League Baseball? Mm -hmm. Would we still have the same stars? Would Ruth still have 714 home runs hitting against the Negro League pitchers with their curveballs, their, their better fastballs? Would Josh Gibson... Who hit a reported 800 home runs? Be the the biggest star of that time. See, I am so glad to hear you say this because I've been in this conversation for years. That everyone act like could Jackie Robinson play in that league? The fucking bigger question is could Pee Wee Reese have went over and fucking played in the Negro leagues? Jackie Robinson hurt the Negro leagues so much. When really what they should have tried to do is move those teams over. Mm -hmm. Instead of one guy, they got rid of uh, great black coaches, great black owners, great black general managers. And it almost seems like we focus on the wrong thing. They crushed the Negro League. This was in the 1920s, so this is the one that could have had the most lasting repercussions. Right. Because, you know, if Ruth is not the star... Are the Yankees who they are today? You know. No, I like this one a lot. I like this one a lot because uh, of the fact that for some reason we just assume that the white teams were better. Right. And it's that's a ridiculous assumption to make. A lot of those teams beat the Yankees in exhibition games. We saw what happened when in basketball Wilt came over and just dominated. Right. Why couldn't it be the same thing in baseball? Just come over and dominate the sport. Pitching, hitting, just be the better players. You really look back at it, and people talk about the steroid era being suspect. But the segregated era, mm -hmm. every single thing is suspect because you are not playing against the best We're missing athletes. out on the best players yeah. possibly in America who were hitting 800 home runs and pitching to, to .5 ERAs but in the Negro Leagues. And the fact that Josh Gibson is not known by every kid who mm -hmm. doesn't obsessively read, uh, you know, baseball history books is it's really strange. And a lot has to be done with, I think, the fact that that the 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 sports journalism is in the 1950s was really more about marketing and mm -hmm. building mythology. Not one guy could have sat down and wrote what I just said. Could be Reese play in the Negro League? Because it wasn't the main league, so no one really cared about it. And no one still cares about it, and it's just not right. Because those were possibly the best players of that generation, and they're just ignored. Completely ignored. Completely ignored, and then Jackie is put in this... I remember when I read the Jackie stuff when I was a kid. They would have the the books that are written for like mm -hmm. eight, nine-year-olds. Right. 
you never even you you just thought of him as this really nice kind of Christ-like person, and then later you find out. No, he was furious with the race shit. He was fucking played every game with anger, which is a much better story than telling kids. He didn't mind that they yelled out things. He kept his head high. I haven't seen 42 yet, the new movie, but yeah. I'm not sure which way they go with it. They go with yeah. the angry Jackie or they go with the, you know, the, the, the story tale Jackie. Well, the, the anger thing is just, I mean, playing with anger in the same way Jordan played with anger. Right, it helps. Oh, yeah, it helps. And he didn't want to lose anything, and he wanted to prove he was the best. It's the kind of stuff that we don't think of as, you know, you don't want to tell kids, hey, you should have this in your personality. Play with anger. Yeah, but it really does. I, I love that one a lot. All right, what's your fifth? The last one is, what if our test does not barrel into the stands punching fans with Steven Jackson and Jermaine O'Neal? Because at that point, people were thinking that basketball was a sport for thugs. It was kind of... Club players would show up to the games in, in the t-shirts and the jeans and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and people were starting to think, you know, is this something that I want my kids to be watching even? Right. It was starting to be street ball. Right. And then this happens where fans are being attacked when a broadcaster got nine fractured vertebrae. Mm-hmm. And immediately, things changed. They made the dress code. And then a year later, it was never announced that it was because of the fight, but a lot of people think that the banning high schoolers from basketball was to get more mature players in the league to, to get away from that kind of streetball mentality. Right. And so who knows what happens with these high schoolers who go to college and then just go away or get hurt, or these players who get into issues off the court and then are banned... And, and David Stern got so much more power from this also. Sure. And it kind of changes the whole dynamic of the sport, just this one moment of a fan throwing a Coke at Artest's chest. So he misses his chest. Who knows how the NBA is right now? Um, here's Blowhard. You're on the run of Fetish Show, buddy. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Yeah. Um, I was just thinking, and I've been thinking about this a long time. Uh, when the Jets, Mo Lewis, the linebacker, knocked out, Drew Bledsoe, and they took Tom Brady off the bench and got him his start. What would have happened if Drew Bledsoe didn't get knocked out of the game? The Jets are totally responsible for the Patriots' emergence and the legend of Tom Brady, all because Drew Bledsoe took a hit from uh, Mo Lewis. Because someone can't block. It bothers me so much to this day that being a Jets fan and suffering with this team, that we're responsible for Tom Brady, who came out of college. I think Brady would have ended up sooner or later a Jet. I think that's where this yeah, that, would have been. That, that probably makes sense, but Tom Brady was really not not highly talented, yeah. and Bledsoe was the man, and it just to this day drives me crazy that we're responsible for that guy. You know what's really funny is people forget that the first ring that Brady got was considered one of the biggest upsets of all time. That's right. And now in hindsight, it's not an upset at all. But then it was like, how could this possibly happen? And it's so hard to say, you know, what would happen? Because if he was, you know, a high-round pick, then he would go somewhere else maybe or start somewhere else. But he was a sixth-round pick. Those kind of players sometimes get released and they just fade into the background. And who knows if that would have happened with Tom Brady. It's why I won't spend a lot of times watching the draft. Exactly. Because you have no way of knowing. There's no... And people sitting around screaming, 
Oh, the Chiefs made the biggest career. Yeah. Oh, the Chiefs have destroyed the... You don't know. It's going to take you years before you know. There's no way to tell. Yeah, whether it was a good idea or not. And yet, for some reason, guys will put on these fucking shirts, come up here and sit and... And decide they know that it's impossible. Like I watch Phillies it, but I don't know. Donovan yeah. McNabb, remember that? They were go they were losing their shit over McNabb. Um, getting drafted, and uh, he turned out to be a pretty decent player for a while there. But well, I mean, if he gets the ring, it's the best thing that the Eagles had ever so done. Jets, the Jets you know? had such bad draft picks. Um, even when they had the overall number one, I mean, the teams just some teams are just snake bit. Um, can I make a comment about basketball? You were talking earlier about Phil Jackson. What would have happened if Phil Jackson, back in the day when he played for the Knicks, he was very close with Red Holtzman, the uh, coach, and people were saying back then that he was being groomed to be the Knicks coach. He ended up in the CBA, the defunct league. Um, he was coaching the Albany team, and he never really got a chance with the Knicks. What would have happened when Red Holtzman retired? If uh, they I'll give you another basketball Jackson. one. The Len Bias does do the so close to being on here also. Yeah, do the Celtics continue on because they've never had a championship since Len? Right, I, I, I won. They had one championship. I, I had nine possible ones. Then yeah. I had to cut them down slowly, and that was one of the last ones that I cut off. It was Len Bias because it's it's something that it's who knows what happens. He's Easily the best player in college basketball. Right. Not even close. He could have dominated the league for 10, 15 years. Yeah, there's... Uh, and again, but a lot of times a lot of guys come in and they don't dominate. Greg Oden. Uh, yeah, and it does... Uh, it does happen that way. All right, thanks, Blowhard. Uh, is Sebastian Younger coming in here? Uh, yes. What time is he going to be here? Uh, 10 minutes or so. All right, I just want to... For people to know about this... This is a war correspondent, documentary filmmaker, writer, and he's got a new thing coming out on Thursday, The Life and Time of Tim Hetherington. Tim Hetherington. Uh, these guys are somewhat partners as war correspondents, and Hetherington gets killed, and they've got all this stuff on tape. It's mind-blowing, this documentary. They did that. Uh, what was the name of that? It was like Res Restrepo. Restrepo. He got nominated uh, two years ago for best doc. Yeah, and then he, the, the guy leaves, goes over to Libya, one of those fucking places, ends up getting killed. It's you know everyone. I think in the back of your head, you're like, I wish I was a war correspondent. I wish I was just drinking in the front lines and <laughs> typing shit out. There's a, it's just one of those jobs that you think to yourself, I would be have nothing but stories. But uh, the fucking weirdness of that is just beyond. Chris, you're on the Run of Fez show. Uh, hey, Ron, I thought I had a pretty good one. What if uh, Sterling Marlin never tapped Dale Earnhardt Jr. on that last lap? Jimmy Johnson would not have won all those championships because the car of tomorrow would have never come in. And I, I just think if you're a NASCAR fan, I know a lot of people probably aren't, but that transformed the sport, made those shitty cars of tomorrow. NASCAR lost millions of fans because the races became so boring. I just, I just think that totally transformed the sport. Yeah, but there was a weird thing that Dale Sr. really moved into mythology. He's like one of those things where he became even bigger you know the the legend of him. We talked about earlier when when a player dies young, right? It boosts them up so high. 
even though he was he was you know on the top already. Yeah, it boosts him up that much higher. I I lived down in Daytona when that happened, and it felt to the people down there like when JFK got killed. I mean, there were people who I'm not making this up couldn't show up for work, and were just thinking. I don't know if I could go on with this sport. You think they'll still keep having races after this? I mean, they were just people crushed. He was racing. Um, here's uh, Ross. You're on the Run of Fez show. What's your thoughts on the Uncola nut? Here's uh, Chris. Chris, you're on the Run of Fez show. Chris, we got you, buddy. Um, let's go over to Craig. Craig, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. Hey. What, how about if uh, when Mike Krzyzewski was the coach at Army and interviewed for the Iowa State job and they hired Johnny Orr instead, would he have, uh, if, if he went to Iowa State, would they have been a powerhouse instead of Duke? Would he have gotten fired after four or five years? He may never have uh, coached two Olympic teams to gold medals. Well, it's a really interesting thing there because, you know, you give it all to the coach, but the school has to be committed, and you know you have to have everything around that. Obviously, he's in the right school for him. Right. The thing with college coaching, as we saw it with uh, FGCU, is that if he won at Iowa and then just jumped to Duke, it could be that easy. After one year, he could win there and jump to Duke anyway. Um, it could have changed everything, but it's it's really. Hard to say if if Duke is still the powerhouse they are without him. Yeah, or does he go off and just become another guy? You know that you you want to think that greatness uh, comes through, but no matter how talented somebody is, you still need uh, luck. Luck has got to play uh, a part of it. Um, here's uh, Brian. Brian, you're on the right first show. Hey, Ronnie. First of all, I wanted to compliment Matty Ice on a really well put together, thought provoking list. Thank yeah, you. Tremendous. Um, let me get out of the wind here here in Chicago. Um, sorry about that. Um, one thing that you brought up, Ron, um, I guess you worked closely with uh, the great Buck O'Neill, who founded the Negro League Hall of Fame on a couple projects when he was still alive. You mentioned that they had taken the black teams and um, integrated them into the league. The real question that I had was. Would the teams have remained segregated? Would you have black teams playing against white teams, thus continuing segregation? And you know, well, I think it would have been better just to segregate, uh, you know, to bring in like they did with the AFL, and then you would just go and compete uh, player for player after that. I think you have once, even if it starts with all black teams, all white teams. Right. Once the white teams see these players, they'll say, "All right." I want you on my team. Here's right. some more money. Join in. Because it's all about winning at that and point. And vice versa. If suddenly the Monarchs see that there's a player available at the right price, they bring the first white player there. And it it would have been a much more graceful way right. of doing this than this weird thing that we celebrate. One guy. And we make it all about, uh, you know... Jackie, and the fact that it starts with Jackie and not Satchel, because Jackie was, I don't know, prettier or less um, intimidating looking. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could say that. So that whole part of it, the marketing behind that, I think there's less to celebrate 
than if we would have looked back and said we could have done this um, certainly better. And, and 20 it, it years would, earlier. And maybe now we'd have black owners and black general managers, right. and that wouldn't have taken um, almost a century, and we're still fucking around with it. Um, here is uh, Kevin. Kevin, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, good morning. Uh, Bobby Orr, imagine if he didn't fall apart at such a young age. I mean, the Bruins would have had a decade of Stanley Cups, probably, and he was junk by the time he was 25. I mean, it's it's a shame. <laughs> it really is. It is always surprising. I mean, when you start to look at the injury stuff, uh, Gail Sayers is a perfect example. Go back and watch the the tapes of Gail Sayers. Mm -hmm. He looks like a modern player today playing against a bunch of guys who couldn't move. This could have been a whole list of injuries or a whole mm -hmm. list of, of draft picks, but I try to kind of spread it out a little bit. But injuries, it easily changed history. Just it, it, There's a little nook in the field where you twist an ankle. Right. It, it, it changes history. And, a and the drafting, there's some guys that are drafted into a team that is not for them. Right. You know, the fact that Dril that Dilfer is still making money today and being able to go out and talk because he finally played on one team that was a winner. Um, how many guys could that have happened for? How many guys just did not get together with the the team that would have been there for him? Chris, you're on the Running Fest show. Hey, Ron. Yeah, the bias comment's great. Just because you figured that could have affected the fate of four franchises because the Bird and Mikhail started breaking down the season that he was supposed to be start playing with them. And he would have spelled them. And you start thinking he could have affected one of those Lakers championships, one of those Pistons championships, and even maybe some of those Bulls championships. Because this guy is supposed to be an absolute stud. And he would have kept that Celtic dynasty going. And it could have affected the whole landscape of the NBA. And Bird was saying, I'm passing this. You know what I mean? He could have kept you know, Bird's career alive for another two, three years by just giving him less minutes on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun stuff to play around with. Maybe we'll jump back into this a little later on. But we're bringing in Sebastian uh, Younger is the way it is Younger, pronounced. Yeah, Sebastian Younger. Uh, he also wrote The Perfect Storm. And, uh, you know, a great journalist and a documentary filmmaker. I've never seen a documentary film like this where the lead guy gets killed. I'm going to give it away to him. But the guy that was shooting this, Tim Hetherington, uh, war correspondent who got killed, bringing this story back for people. It uh, debuts on HBO Thursday, April 18th at 8 o'clock. You know, HBO does such great documentary work now. Most of the stuff that you see on there uh, blows away. As a matter of fact, they get your Vice show. Yeah, is playing on there Sundays, and we haven't gotten around to discussing that. But I'm really interested to see if these vice guys can kind of uh, explode some of those messages on on HBO. Uh, all right, we've got Sebastian ready to bring him in. Yep. This is called "Which Way to the Front Line from Here." Uh, let's bring in Sebastian Younger. Johnny boy, the pipes, the pipes are coming from Glen to Glen. I 
Which way did the front line from here uh, debuts on HBO Thursday, April 18th at 8 o'clock? Sebastian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, This had to be a really difficult thing for you to edit and put together. It was. I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't more difficult than the original tragedy, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, And in some ways, I think it was kind of therapeutic. Uh, I learned that my friend and colleague Tim Hetherington was killed almost two years ago now in Libya. I was supposed to, I was supposed to have been with him on that that assignment, and I wasn't with him, and I felt very guilty about it. And um, you know, one of the ways that I sort of dealt with his loss was to try to make a film about him. Well, you know, I think we all have this romantic kind of notion about war correspondence but most of the time when i was watching this film i'm like get out just don't stay there. just get out this is insane because you guys have gone to some really hairy places and it's not surprising really when someone gets killed no i mean people get killed in war and if mm-hmm. you cover war you have a chance of getting killed and journalists are no they're no they're not a special case they're um, they get killed like civilians do and like soldiers do. But what what kind of people are drawn to the front lines? What is it about the front lines? Well, war is incredibly dramatic mm-hmm. and compelling and even alluring. And I think I can prove that in a way. I mean, if I say to a room full of people, and I've done this before, who here is horrified by war? You know, everyone raises their hand. And then if I go on to say, who here is paid 12 bucks to go watch a Hollywood war movie for entertainment, everyone raises their hand. It's a very, very compelling thing. Right. And it contains really ancient human narratives of bravery and group loyalty and things like that. And and there's also an enormous dose of adrenaline that comes with getting shot at and surviving. And all of those things are very compelling to the human mind. And and you know it 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 it's almost irresistible at times and what's odd though then it's hard to get some of these stories back here for people in america to watch i was sitting there thinking watching that the the lack of that that's shown on a regular american tv you know that we don't watch a lot of this with the six o'clock news well i mean i think there is a fair amount of coverage of the wars, but also, you know, the networks are ratings-driven, they're businesses, they're corporations, mm-hmm. and they show what, more or less, what their viewership wants to see. The beauty of documentaries is that if you make a good documentary, you don't have to worry about ratings. If you make a good documentary, people will watch it. And mm-hmm. when Tim and I made Restrepo, uh, it was really widely seen. And, you know, had that been, I don't know, some kind of network news piece, no one would have, or very few people would, relatively few people would have seen it. Because you can capture that human interest story um, that you can see. And Restrepo is a great way of looking at that. When you were looking at the, the guys in that, you become attached to them in a way, and you see them totally different than you do at the beginning. The beginning, you just see guys carrying rifles. But after a while, you start to see people that you more or less know or have known throughout your life. Absolutely. And that happens if you're a journalist there, too. I mean, when you show up, you know, at at an outpost with a platoon, you can't even tell the guys apart. I mean, because they're all wearing their gear and, Mm -hmm. you know, short hair and et cetera. And then, you know, they become individuals. And it's a very powerful experience, actually. And at the same time, I guess, as a journalist, you have to see the people shooting at them as individuals because those people are there for their own reasons as well you know that's a lot harder to do in part because the Taliban at least 
that's not true of every warring party, but the Taliban uh, made it absolutely impossible and sort of deadly foolishness to try to do any reporting from their side. Do you think if um, they invited people in, journalists would show up for oh that? Oh, my though? God, are you yeah. kidding? Of course. And of course. would you be willing to go, or are you done with I'm war? done with war reporting. Yeah. I mean, if you, as a matter of principle, like sort of journalistic ethics or whatever, yeah. uh, I, I, yes, I think I would be willing to go and try to understand wars wars don't end until uh, many wars don't end until there's some basic level of understanding between the two groups and i feel like uh if someone were able to do really good reporting from the taliban side it actually might help the peace process that's so interesting to hear because you think there's stories that we don't know particularly when we tend to see each other as either oppressors or terrorists or whatever we have all, those kind of names keep us from understanding you know keep us from understanding why human beings are involved in this well there's a lot of different kinds of war and mm. you know it's very hard to categorize you know it's hard to you can't talk about war because they're two just too many different types i mean specifically in afghanistan i mean some wars make sense some wars don't mm -hmm. um specifically in afghanistan uh, the Taliban, I mean, it's a war for power for them, you know, and it's war for religious control and for power. And, um, and the people who are dying, most of the people who are dying are, you know, young men who are getting paid not much money to shoot guns at Americans. And the people who are in power are, most of them are in Pakistan. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think there is a way to kind of undo that. My experience with Afghanistan, I have to say, you know, I was there in the nineties, right before the Taliban took over. And that those were dark days in Afghanistan. And those dark days really ended when, with nine 11, when NATO forces came in. And, and right now, as tough as things are there, it's easy to forget that it's the lowest level of civilian casualties in that country in 30 years. And, and we have to, we have to remember that when we talk about war and peace and what to do with the military, and it, it, it gets really complicated. It's very complicated, and we tend to think if we're not viewing it, it doesn't exist here in America. I, I know Vice is starting to do some stuff with HBO, and then I, I, when I was watching their first episode, I'm like, isn't it interesting just to see other countries? For some reason, so many of our kind of uh, our magazine programming is just about are 50 states but there's a lot of stories out there that yeah. we americans don't see at all yeah it's a whole big world and you know we yeah yeah that's right some of the stuff that's in here too with your work with tim hetherington in in africa is just i mean we could call it armies of rebels but some of it was just so ragtag that they were just a bunch of guys together for a short period of time rebel armies mostly are a bunch of young guys with, with ak's i mean that's that's mostly what they are particularly in africa um, I mean, I've been in a number of African civil wars, and y you really can't call them soldiers. They're just fellas. And then when this thing is over, they're ready to go back to their regular life, or what happens to them? Well, I, that's a good question. And, you know, some of them realize that they're more powerful with a gun than without a gun. And in some ways, the end of the war is a, a great misfortune for them. Uh -huh. And then they have to go back to being... Uh, civilians in in uh, you know an economically oppressed country uh, with no rights and no money and you know it's it, in some ways war is a, a better situation for some of those guys. You know I've talked to guys on this show that have come back from uh, Afghanistan or uh, Iraq and they 
almost forget that this kind of system that we have in this country, they were living in a totally different one. They come back here and people be doggy dog or whatever and the kind of backbiting that takes place in corporate America. And they're like, they miss the brotherhood that they felt. They miss being a part of a real team when they were in the military. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the sort of ironies of all this is that very often men miss war when they come home from it a lot because of these highs that they can yeah i mean it's it's arguably more meaningful the consequences of things are certainly greater um the the sense of group identity identity is very powerful and and we are a species that thrives on group identity and it's very very powerful in a a war situation there's a fair amount of adrenaline and you're totally self-defining like you know in high school if you're ugly or if your family's poor or whatever like you can be discriminated against for those things in combat nobody cares anything about that aspect those aspects of who you are what they care about is if you're a good soldier and if you're willing to risk your life for everybody else and as in other words if you're brave mm-hmm. and everyone can choose to be brave you don't have to be big you don't have to be good looking you don't have to be anything you just have to decide to be brave and to value other people's lives more than your own and if you do that you'll be respected by everyone else and that's not true in high school and in some ways it's quite liberating and of course it isn't true once you leave and get back into civilian life and you find out that you work in a place that doesn't value the same kind of things. I mean, we value kind of uh, a dog-eat-dog work in in corporate life here. Well, I mean, you know, civilian society is very individualistic Mm -hmm. and life within a platoon at a remote outpost cannot be individualistic. It is about the welfare of the group and the individual's the importance of the individual disappears in that. Uh, what you'd worked with him for years, but when you were putting this documentary, I guess now you're looking at him as a subject rather than a co-worker. Did anything change about the way you perceived your friend as you're putting this together? Yes, and in really sort of lovely ways. I mean, I knew him in the context of war. He was very brave. He was very focused. Um, he was he was incredible uh-huh. and. I didn't have as much chance to see a kind of softer side to him. And so when we found footage of him working with children in Sri Lanka, or talking to these fishermen in Sri Lanka, like this just absolutely beautiful side of Tim that was so gentle and so open and sort of, um, and just bright, you know, a bright, like a bright light. Mm-hmm. And he just illuminated people and people loved him. And you'd, I mean, I knew he was like that because I saw, I saw, I saw it at work a little bit, but I, I, I wasn't quite aware how much that dominated his character when he was working. Yeah, he was certainly an artist as much as a journalist. Uh, And I thought that was one of the other interesting things, is that we're living in a time where journalism is changing so much that anybody can kind of shoot video these days and go off and, and put together any documentary that they want fairly cheaply. Um... Do you plan on staying with documentary film, or is... I'm going to keep making films, yeah. Yeah. I have another contract with HBO. I won't be doing it to the exclusion of writing. I think they actually go together quite well, and and I've spent most of my life as a writer. You work as a writer, you work making documentaries, and of course speaking uh, about these uh, type of things. Uh, It's which way to the front from here, the life and times of Tim Hetherington. Now, this is going to be debuting on HBO Thursday, April 18th at 8 o'clock. It's um, 
not an easy film to watch because you do develop feelings for Tim as this thing is going on. Um, and you know that as a storyteller. You want us to kind of fall into Tim's world before yeah. all this uh, stuff comes together. And it was amazing that you that he went from the Oscars back to the front. Yeah, and I, I just want to just tweak the title a little bit. It's actually, sure. Which Way Is the Front Line from okay. Here? Just so people know. And um, yes, we were at the Oscars for Restrepo, uh-huh. and we got an assignment with Vanity Fair to cover the Arab Spring. And at the last minute, I couldn't go. Uh, just personal reasons. Tim went on his own, and he got killed, and he was dead, you know, six weeks after the Oscars. Stunning. Yeah. Uh, and when you get that phone call, uh, you'd kind of mentioned this. There's guilt involved. There's kind of survivor's guilt for you. Yeah, I mean, I felt like I should have been there with him, mm-hmm. um, that I'd abandoned him. Um, felt a lot of confused things. Uh, and, you know, I don't think there's anything I could have done. And then I felt guilty about that because I didn't, not only was I not there, but I didn't have any medical training. Even had I been there, I still couldn't have saved his life. Sure. He bled out. He died of loss of blood from a shrapnel wound in his groin. And when I found out that he had a wound that was not necessarily mortal, um, I decided to start a medical training program for freelance journalists. Freelancers do 90% of the report, the frontline reporting in the world. Um, you know, the network news guys really, it's very little of, uh, of those guys. It's, it's really freelancers and they have no training, no support, no backup at all. So I started an organization called Reporters Instructed in Saving Colleagues, RISC, R-I-S-C. It's uh, completely, uh, um, funded by people's generosity and we train freelance experienced freelance war reporters in combat medicine three sessions a year in new york city and these freelance guys oddly enough these are the guys that we depend upon because they're going to end up in south america or the philippines wherever they're needed they just buy them way out there and then hope to sell these stories back to the ap or whoever right yeah that's right i mean they have sort of um they have relate, you know, relationships with the with the media media mm-hmm. organizations, but they're not on salary. They're not covered by insurance. They don't get medically trained. They don't get anything. They're out there on their own dime. Hopefully, they make that dime back by, with their work. It's very, very brave work. It's very necessary. You can't have a free, you can't have a free and open society without free and open information. And we get that information from journalists. And it's such a tough thing because you could find yourself on the wrong side of the world, you know, from this story. Or these long periods of, I guess, nothingness before uh, something breaks out. Yeah, know? that's right. Well, that's the trick. Is you know, as a journalist, is if, you, if all you can do is cover bang bang, you're not much of a journalist. So you, it really does. It, it, you're required to think a little bit more deeply about human events, and so the long periods between the dramatic events, you can still report something of use and value. And I guess there's a real chance uh, to more or less get lost in those periods if you're not disciplined. I think there would probably be a chance to, as they say, go local. Before you know it, you forget where your life is, because it must be such a culture shock for you when you come back to New York City that's going running around thinking about one thing and people going to cocktail parties and you've just come back from the third world. Yeah, it's a transition. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, of course, it's a transition. It's a transition in both directions and both places I love. I mean, you know, I couldn't, I, I love coming back to New York, but it takes a little while to adjust. It's a uh, phenomenal uh, documentary about 
uh, really a a phenomenal person. And um, well, we talked about the fact that you want, if you're going to have a subject like this, you want him to be somewhat complicated because when you're watching this, you're seeing this sensitive guy who's heading into the most horrific areas that he can to report it back. And there are points of it where you see fear and joy existing in the same moments, uh, which... It's a stunning thing for us to look back yeah. as, as human beings to see that we are attracted to the, some of those adrenaline rushes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, which way is the front line from here? The life and times of Tim Hetherington. Sebastian, thank you so much for stopping by, my friend. My pleasure. I appreciate it. And uh, that's on HBO Thursday night, April 18th at 8 o'clock. Thank you so much. Thank you. Face down in the gutter, won't admit defeat, though his clothes are soiled and black. He's a big strong man with a child's mind, don't you take his fools away. So that was uh, Sebastian Junger. It's you know it's really tough to talk to somebody when you know there's things about him losing his friend. You hate to say, here's what your friend is like. Yeah. The one that uh, uh, just died. Uh, Mike, Mike, you're on the Ronnie Fez show. Hey, uh, Ronnie, how you doing? Uh, Good. I just want to take a second to give you guys a call. Um, and I just want to thank Sebastian for the, the, the movie Restrepo. I, I served in eastern Afghanistan, and uh, it's a real tough tour. It's a tough life. But you hit it up the nail right on the head when you said, you know, you come back and you realize, Doggy died. Doggy dog to society, and how uh, you know it, it. You miss the brotherhood and the camaraderie of uh, of war. I, I wish. Well, I I had actually heard that on the show from people uh, like yourself, who and it really stuck with me. But veterans who have come back to the United States, somewhat disappointed by the way the rest of us act. You know what I mean? Uh, feeling disconnected from the American society because they had achieved this thing that felt higher and more honorable without us. You know, you, you don't think about it when you're there, but coming home and, and, and meeting uh, men, and I use the term loosely on, on a general basis, guys that just go behind each other's backs and, and do things very snake-like. And, and when you're serving overseas, you serve with, with I served with the highest caliber of act real men, people that it was about the brotherhood, and it was uh, people that I, I would I would have died for, and people you know that we did lose over there um, died for us. So and there was never a question of anything, and it was just, it's just very uh, intense coming back and, and realizing that mostly anybody here will cut each other's head off for uh, for fifty cents if they're given the opportunity. Well, the thing in Restrepo is that they actually ended up 
more or less accepting these journalists as part of it because they had lived with the guys. They became part of that thing, and it really opens up um, much differently than when you will watch a Hollywood film about what that experience can be like. But I wondered, too, Mike, because that's why we have things like, you know, VFW clubs and stuff, because people tend to miss those kind of connections that they made. Absolutely, and I wish that there was something for um, for today's younger, because I'm 28 years old, Ronnie, so I, I have um, to join a VFW. It's a little, I, I wouldn't say taboo, but it's just it's a different generation. It's a different war. Sure. Uh, you know, it, it tends to be an older, an older crowd. So the, the things that they talk about are not quite the things that we can. So general brotherhood is there, but in actual experiences like um, it, it's hard, and, and, and especially in, I live in New York City, and there's generally not many soldiers that I come across in New York City for people to relate to that have been through what I've, uh, you know, what I've been through over there. So it, it, it's you know, I'm definitely looking and lacking that. Uh, Do you feel like book. you're acclimating back into the states, still, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, America is, is fantastic, and I love everything, all the freedoms that we have here, and that's, that's the, the opinions that people have is everything that I fought for, whether I agree with them or not. Um, but definitely acclimating, um, and, you know, Brooklyn's treating me nice. I'm having a great time out there, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's it's moving along greatly. But, um, you know, I, just, I appreciate that movie because it's actually therapeutic to watch Restrepo because um, I was in a very similar, I was very close to where my, my outpost was, was stationed. I'm an infantryman as well, um, fighting. So it was a lot of the similar things that I dealt with. So it's therapeutic to watch that. I watch that from time to time, and it uh, it becomes a, a release and even actually makes me feel at ease. I feel at ease watching it, more at ease than I would coming out and just working my day-to-day job. It's just very I, I was really surprised uh because when when the first time I heard about Restrepo, I wasn't. It didn't seem like something that I would want to watch. Um, but the focus that they where they put this, I could see how guys could, you know, kind of surrender themselves to that military lifestyle. Something that for me would seem like the lack of training, uh, yeah. the the lack of freedom of it all. But um, they did a really great job of, of showing where the honor of uh, depending upon other people. Not so much I mean, yes, you're there for other people, and I think we know how to say, oh yeah, I've got your back, but it's it's even more vulnerable to say, you've got my back, and I trust you. And I thought they did an amazing job of that. Thank you so much, Mike, for calling us. Here's Phil in Indiana. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Uh, I want to call in. I, I missed the, the beginning portion of the, the Sebastian Younger uh, uh, interview, but I had a, a cousin who uh, was actually serving in the 173rd Airborne when um, when Sebastian was there in Tim Hetherington and, and was actually killed while, while they were there um, back in 2007. And I just want to call in and, and talk about how much, you know, you guys were talking about Restrepo, but how much I appreciated the, you know, as a civilian, the objectivity of, of both you know the book War that they wrote. Uh, I think I believe they wrote that together, uh, and the movie Restrepo. That you just, you know, as a civilian, and, and then you you lose a family member, and they come back, and you just you have this appreciation for, you know, for what they went over there. You know, yeah, you see a lot of documentaries and movies and everything else, but you really get to you, you really feel it. So yeah. it was. 
I'm looking forward to seeing what he has in this uh, documentary about Tim Etherington. Well, this was the weird thing, the place I think that Sebastian got with his friendship with Tim Heatherton is like Sebastian Younger was okay with doing this crazy uh, shit and losing his life. He, he was fine with that. You know, he had already made his peace with that. But losing his friend and seeing what it did to his wife, that was life-changing. To be a survivor was something that he hadn't prepared upon. He's never thought that was going to happen, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just something that I guess men don't think about, you know? So it's one thing to say, uh, I'm willing to give my life. But is it? A, a, but it's a totally different thing to say. I'm willing to have somebody I love give their life for something, you know. So that changed it all. And I think, particularly people who saw Restrepo, but I don't think that you need to to watch which way is the front line from here, the life and time of Tim Hetherington. And the thing about Tim is, when you watch this, you're like. Yeah, that looks really cool. Yeah, I could take a camera and learn how to use it. I could go out and meet people and bring <laughs> the story back. I could do, you know what I mean? There's there's a part of you that thinks this is something that a man would do with his life, you know? Much in the way that if you're watching um, one of those fishing shows in Alaska, yeah. you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of stuff. Uh, that people can do it, and you can see why people would want to um, to want to keep chasing that kind of buzz. Here's Joe in Oklahoma. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, how you guys doing? Good, man. Hey, uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, Junger, that Restrepo movie, I actually served with um, my buddy Rudy was in that movie, and he came over to 101st, and we both went back over to the same spot. And what you're talking about, about, you know, people, your brothers and all that stuff. The thing is, people don't realize that in the military, you still have 1% of the military who actually fights and right. actually does shitty stuff. I mean, that's, it just, it, it gets to my nerves because you see people at the airport and you're like, oh, congratulations. I mean, I applaud people for going overseas, but unless you're, you know, actually over there doing that shit, I mean, living in shit in northern Afghanistan. If anyone's ever been there, they can call you and tell you that's just a shithole, man. You're like waiting to die, basically. You know what's surprising, though, is so much of the country is really beautiful. And it kind of it looks like the Rockies. And if that, if that war wasn't going on, you would definitely think, what a great place to visit, you know what I mean? We could take some kayaks, we could do, you know, it looks exactly like the kind of place that you would go to for uh, camping and extreme sports and all that, but this long history that we have uh, that has nothing to do with America, yeah. that has existed in that part of the, of the world for thousands just nothing but war yeah just nothing thousands but. of years of oppression and revolt equals the people who revolted are now oppressing it's just really tough stuff even in that vice thing when uh, they went to afghanistan they talked to the taliban leader or whatever the guy said that their doctrine was no foreigners should be in afghanistan 
Mm. That's the guys who run the country who say no one should be there. Um, here's Bill. Bill, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, I want to I start off by saying I'm not trying to denigrate our servicemen at all, but, you know, the majority of them say they went over there to protect our freedoms, but as you can clearly see, our freedoms and rights are just fucking shit on, so... Um, you know, I, I was wondering if some other soldiers could call in and uh, with their thoughts on, you know, if they're fighting for our freedom, if this is happening, I mean, where do we go from here? You know what I mean? Well, again, Bill, you're you're saying that from a place that you have incredible rights and freedoms, and some of the stuff that you're saying gets shit on, let's say, because someone, I don't know, gets isn't allowed to say certain words or can't have a gun at every place that they want to. And all that kind of stuff can be incredibly annoying and should be discussed and fought about, but no one is dragging you into the street and executing you for it. I mean, you can become a baby crying about what we don't have in this country if you're not sitting around and being happy and grateful for the things that we do have. And then the other part of it about serving is you cannot serve anything only waiting for the reward to come in and deciding that's what it is. If you have a friend, you can't you can't say to yourself, I'm doing this because this friend is going to be there for me. Or you can't be doing this, you can't be a father saying, I'm going to give and give and give, and then I'm going to get back. You serve because you're drawn to serve. Uh, cops get treated like shit, and they go out the next day. Teachers, most of the time, see failure, they go out the next day. The same is true of the military. They are never going to be appreciate it instead of except of some of the most superficial ways and then what kills you is the people who show up and do some flag waving and think thanks for your service they end up feeling better because they've said that thing they somehow feel like they're a good person because they waved the flag at some people coming back so don't think that there's ever a return on things um Here's uh, Mark in Kentucky. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. How's it going today? Good, man. Hey, that last guy that called in, he ought to hope that uh, nobody who's ever had to serve over there finds his dumb ass for saying stuff like that. It's not, you know, a situation that you ever hope to be in. You just try to make the most of it, and anybody who's been there, you know, doesn't appreciate anything negative being said about it because it, it's just it's an awful situation, and, and you don't want to be there. You know, you are there and you make the most of it. It's part of your life from there forward. But that guy's an idiot for saying stuff like that. Uh, thanks for calling us, Mark. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here's Pat. PA, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, uh, I was just calling. I uh, just wanted to. I feel the same kind of thing that, that Mike was talking about earlier with the uh, connection to Brotherhood. Um, and joining the VFW is just sort of not our generation's thing. Uh, I just wanted to know that there's a lot, and other veterans, there's a lot of, uh, charities out there now that are, um, that do well from community service or disaster response, and it's, uh, but they're all usually veteran based. There's, you know, the mission continues, uh, Team Red, White, and Blue, Team Rubicon. Um, I found one, I joined one, I, I kind of got that connection that I miss from being in the military, so 
I just want guys to know that there are things out there that can do this. You know, we're losing a lot of guys to PTSD who are killing themselves every day. Um, that's a whole other topic, but you know, there's things out there for these guys to go to and uh, kind of feel that again. Uh, when you brought up the post-traumatic stress stuff, do you think a lot of that has to do with not being part of something once you get back to the States? I think it absolutely does. I think um, there's guys who, you know, it, you know, uh, actually sort of just like Sebastian had talked about, um, you know, these wars in uh, some rebel forces in Africa, you know. It's not so much their guys are carrying guns, but they were doing something for a higher cause. You were in charge of something. You had uh, guys working with you who were all working for the same thing. And you get back here, uh, you know, and then you kind of just lose that, you know, especially with the job market the way it is. You know, you, next thing you know, you're selling shoes if you even are lucky enough to find a job, right. you know, type of thing. And, you know, before you were something, you had an identity. You, this was a good, you know, you can, whatever you want to say about the wars and the politicalness of it. But what you were doing to you was good and then you come back here and it's just kind of you know it is what it is you know that's kind of the interesting thing is that when you watch this stuff you don't see those guys they don't even have time to focus on the big picture because they're just looking for surviving and having their friends survive so you don't find a, a great amount of political talk because you don't have time for it it's in the shit yeah you right. don't you've got to make that time happened but when you do come back to the states and we've all worked for that company that said look this is a family here and you're in a family whoever says that is lying because it's just not true it you're at work when you're in corporate america no matter where that place is you're at work and those people will bail on you and uh, they're also conspiring against you and then it becomes up to you what you find that your own uh, dignity level is. Uh, Anna in Texas, you're on the Run of Fest show. Anna, we got you, darling? Hi. Just wanted to say I love y'all first. Um, love Ron and love Fez, both y'all, very much. Um, I live in Harker, Texas. I was stationed in Fort Hood for eight years when I wasn't deployed. And um, I just wanted to contribute. I didn't even know if you had any female veterans that had called in. But... Um, there is a criminal element in the military that is really unfortunate because most of the guys that have been calling in are real solid citizens, and I know myself, I have a high moral compass and as well as those gentlemen, but uh, there are individuals who get sent into the military who have no choice. It's either jail or the military, and I unfortunately had to babysit some of those. Um, it even goes all the way up to the top chains of command, and these guys who are infantry, they don't know exactly who I'm talking about. They're lazy. Um, they come from bad backgrounds. Uh, for the most part, they don't turn their lives around. And then they go count. All right, your phone's breaking up a little bit, so I'm going to give you a second to get that together. But you're saying that some of these people, if they weren't in the military, they would have ended up in prison, and they were the ones that get in trouble so much when they come back because they would have gotten in trouble anyway. Yes, sir. Um you know, again, uh, hopefully you can hear me fine now. Yeah. Um, I'm in a pretty bad region in Texas. But, um, you know, I, I was an E6. That's a staff sergeant. And, uh, you know, I had to babysit many people, many of these young men who just were so irresponsible. And in their files, it said that they were sent to the military by a judge. You know, it was either get in the military and straighten up or get out and go to jail. Um, unfortunately, they still commit crimes while they're, you know, 
earning their rank and stuff, a lot of times I had to demote guys because they were just doing the wrong thing. And, again, I know probably most of the guys listening right now are going to get fired up over it. But uh, especially when you're deployed, the true colors show themselves. Uh, you know, the work ethic really shows itself. You'll see some of these gangbuster guys who came from California. They were in these hard-ass street gangs. They certainly scream like little girls when there's combat going on around them in Afghanistan and uh, also and elsewhere, but, you know, for the most part, the guys and the women in the military are great, and they do have good core work ethics and high moral compasses, but uh, it's unfortunate we have to pull the weight for these individuals who are just messed up all the way around, and uh, a lot of them do go back into society, and they're, they're pulling ten times the amount of crime, and they have more street cred with their gangs, and it's just, it's a shame. But uh, that's something to be acknowledged. Everybody's like, oh, everybody in the military is a hero. And for the most part, they are, and they, they were there. But unfortunately, they're using their training for wrongdoing on the outside. But I didn't Anna, I would, I would love to sit down and talk to you when we have more time to get into this. I think it's uh, a very unique angle that I don't see anywhere else out there, this stuff that you're saying, okay? But so, love you and love says. Thank and, you. Um, keep your radio show going. We love you all in Texas. All right. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Uh, I do got a break here because Chris hasn't let me broke the whole day, and Liz uh, says fire is warning me. She's that, warning you. Yeah. Really? That. Can I get to it now? I'm trying to go to a break, and you're interrupting me. Well, I'm just saying. She should have to be giving me warnings. She's a listener. But she was warning me because you forgot to. No, I don't forget and, anything. Well, in this one case, you did. I know what I'm doing. But then why are you interrupting me when I'm trying to get into Because I'm defending it? myself. Anyways, Liz said. What the Liz? Chris, can I just get into the break? That's can I do what Liz? Can we Liz this thing and like forget our own? That's what's called out Lizzing this thing. I would like to call it that because it makes sense. Because it doesn't make any sense. Sounds well, crazy. I've been on the air for two hours and ten minutes and I haven't taken a break. Yeah, yet. we should take a break now. It's great. Yeah, I was trying to. Yeah, good. All right. Uh, Liz said, "Fire is the one who warned me about this." Bullshit. There's a lot of people that want to are upset about what Anna just said. Oh. So we can discuss that a little bit when we get back. Okay. If I don't have to just go back to another commercial five minutes later. Everything's fine. This will be timed out well. Timed out well. Okay. On behalf of the Twitter producer, Liz has fire. Bull fucking shit. Can I just go to a break? Without- well, just keep on bringing this Liz Twitter producer thing. It's not. A, it's not a real position. It's a position that's needed here, though, because everybody else forgets. I'm, I'm still trap on top of this fucking head of mine. The problem is you got a window and you've been low. You saw a boat and an hour went by. <laughs> <laughs> the other, I was doing an interview and and I just hear Hicks is pointing out the window and he just yells at us, "Tug!" And I'm like, no one cares about you see that. This thing? <laughs> it's fucking huge. Thank God for Liz. That's fire. By the way. I found this out from her, and I forwarded it to Dave, who was furious. She didn't like the master. Holy fuck. Well, yeah. she just She's not one of us. She no. is not one of us. <laughs> oh, no. That was our across-the-board favorite movie of the year. <sighs> Once Dave finishes with Liam, I'm sure I'll go after her. Liam's a dead man. Oh, yeah. Um, Dave uh, said that he was going to... Put on a, make he, he'll put on a blindfold and lay him upon a blindfold studio, and then Dave will bite his dick off. 
Okay. He won't eat it. He'll just chew his dick off mm-hmm. and then duct tape it back onto his crotch. Why do you All need right, a blindfold for that? I, it's, it's going... Well, so you got to find your way through the dark. No one has an advantage. So we're going to be doing a blindfolded dick-biting dick contest yeah. uh, coming up. Uh, I'm trying to get some of these calls as well when we get back. Thanks to Sebastian Younger for stopping in here. Um, he's in Scary Movie 5 <laughs> and Excedrin. Molly Shen. Okay. Molly Shen. They're all great, though. Everybody who came by is great. We'll be right back. It's the Ron Fest Show. The Ron and Fest Show on the Open Anthony Show. Sirius XM. <laughs> You've been warned. Stanley sobbing to himself during this song. That's Weezer, the playlist today. I just want to point out that uh, Hard Rock Johnny uh, has said to Liz Fire that she's the best producer that Ron and Fez have had since Hannah, the producer who produces results. That jerk off can blow me. All right. That's Hard Rock Johnny. Yeah, I know. Well, he's just talking shit about me. Him, Blowhard. They all just love taking their fucking shots. Hmm. Yeah, Enough. that's what they get off. I got a lot of people hanging on over the last conversation. This came from uh, Which Way is the Frontline from Here? The Life and Times of Tim Hetherington. It premieres on HBO Thursday, April 18th at 8 o'clock. Um... And that started 
talk with a lot of guys who have served and missed the service once they come back. As tough and difficult as it was there, they felt like they belonged more in that situation. They were more alive there than coming back. And that's led to some people having trouble just kind of acclimating themselves back into society. Here's Bill. Bill, you're on the Run of Fez show. Ron, how are you? Good, man. Good. It's good the little time passed and I was able to collect my thoughts. That staff sergeant female that called a little while ago. Anna. I was about to, yeah, Anna. I was about to call and say she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. She's out of her mind, da 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 da. I spent 12 years as an Army recruiter. I recruited for the first Gulf War and the second Gulf War. And the biggest problem we had was trying to find people who qualified, meaning that they had to be academically, physically, and morally straight to join the Army. If they have, I've seen people not get in because they had too many tickets on their driving record. Do a few fall from the crack or fall through the crack? I imagine they do. But for the most part, with the way the Army is or the, the military as a whole, with the technology and, you know, all the things that go into being a soldier or a service member, you, you have to be an upstanding citizen to even qualify to get in. And you have to be able to read, write, and, and do simple math. You know, it, it, she just really pissed me off when she's talking about a criminal element. A few, I imagine, do fall through the cracks. I think the most part, when, I, when I was a kid growing up in the post-Vietnam era, there were the judges saying you can go into the military or into, uh, but, uh, into the military or into jail. But then under the Reagan era, I thought that started to change again. It changed big time. It yeah. changed big time. When we got... See, when, when I was a recruiter, we got missions, and we had categories. We had to we had to find a senior female who could score above a 50 on the ASVAB. That's a GFA. And, and there was no waffling between that. But then when the war broke out, they lessened the standards a little bit as far as academically is concerned. Mm -hmm. But you still have to be able to do, you know, I mean, you still have to be able to read and write, do math. But the moral qualifications, they don't waver. All right, thank you very much, Bill. Uh, let's go over to Matt in New Jersey. Matt, go ahead, buddy. Hey, Ronnie. Um, I'm a combat vet Marine, and uh, I wrote a book about my combat experience uh, in Iraq to, to show America what their sons and daughters are dealing with um, once they return home. And uh, you guys let me plug my website uh, and my story on air in the fall, and you let me put it on the unfiltered section of the iBang. And as a result, uh, a fellow veteran writer named Benjamin Tupper, who wrote a book called Greetings from Afghanistan, send more ammo. And another one called Dudes of War got in touch with me. He said, I heard you on the Ron and Fez show, and we started corresponding. And basically, he went through a similar situation like me. He had an agent just like I do, but we're just kind of waiting for the right moment to, to get published. And he got me in touch with a small self-starting publishing company. And uh, this summer, uh, it'll be on BarnesandNoble.com and, and Amazon.com. And I can't wait to send you guys a copy. Make sure that you do, my so friend. Much. And congratulations. Way to stick to it with that. It's very, very difficult. Um, I know I started to do a book uh, proposal. I did four words before I put it away. Four. Well, yeah, this is just a small stepping stone, but hopefully a big uh, publishing company will, will see the work and, and, and uh, dig it. And uh, who knows, maybe it'll be made to a movie. or If nothing else, it'll help me get some of this pain off of, out of my uh, heart and my chest and help America see what, 
what some of their veterans are dealing with. But God bless you guys. Thank you, my man. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, and I can't wait to uh, read your book. Make sure you send it to us. Uh, here's TJ, Oklahoma. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, it's our speaking to you, Mr. Bennington. Nice to talk to you. Uh, two, two things I want to say that I'll get off. One, the one guy who made the remark about whining and crying about, you know, how they're squashed their freedoms here in this country and saying, you know, how the vets don't understand it. That just totally just infuriates. The other thing to Anna saying how, you know, guys would get in that had a shady background. Well, I happened to be one years ago. I, had, I was given a choice, either go in the military or go to jail. <coughs> Best choice I ever made, and i tell you what, it made a major change in my life, my lifestyle. Uh, now I've got three wonderful children, and I'm very happy and feel very blessed. And so you were glad that when you hit that kind of bottom, you had some place to go and get born again hard. Oh, yeah, I mean, and I needed it, too, because I, I was down, I, I probably would have been dead years ago if I would not have had that judge give me that, you know, the opportunity to turn my life around, and I'm glad I did, because when the drugs and the alcohol and all that other stuff I was Chris Stanley. With, no. What? That would have been a long time there. Mm. All right. Well, I thank you for calling us, TJ. Glad you were able to turn it around. Here's Mike in Hawaii. Hello, Mike. Hey, sir. How's it going? Good, man. Hey, I just want to just kind of throw this point out there. You, you know, in the military, we're all still a representation of, of the population. So, you know, you, you have – there's nothing that really makes us special or different or anything like that. It's, at some point in our lives, we kind of bought in. We caught and bought into the to the service before self, the you know the flag or, or whatever it has, whatever have you. But we still, you know, are representation of of our society. Right. Inside in, in Iraq, you know, in a Humvee, you've got that eighteen, nineteen year old kid who is sticking out of a of an armored vehicle behind an automatic weapon, but. You know, you don't know if he's gay or black or, or, well, you know if he's black. But, you know, but you don't know Come where that kid's coming from. But right. all you know, it's, at some point, that guy made a commitment, or girl made a commitment, to, you know, do something a little different. Now, when but, you get over But, this, Mike, we have heard about gang members joining the military, flashing gang signs, and not dropping all their gang shit while they're in there. Right, and like the previous caller said, you know, you can't get them on. There's some guys that fall through the cracks. But, I mean, we're, we're that representation. For every gang member like that, we've got a hipster like Pepper Hicks. Hmm, true. You know? Fuck. Yeah, some so, power. I'm sorry, Pepper. Huh? Uh, but your point being like that every, that you just can't say, here's what a military guy is like, any more that you can say, here's what an American is like. you got all different kinds. I appreciate right. your call, Mike. Um and unfortunately, sometimes if anyone does wrong, everyone takes it. Like if there's a bad cop, you can't help it. Cops get blamed for it. Um, here's uh, Barry. You're on the Run of Fest show. Good afternoon, Ron. Hey. I'd like to elaborate a little bit more about the previous call. I talked about the veterans, VFW, or other service organizations, whether it be American Legion or Marine Corps veterans, where the case may be. There's a lot more to these organizations than just showing up and getting cheap drinks and and having old ladies make you scalloped potatoes and ham on a Thursday mm. night. You know, they do a lot more for the community. My little organization here in northern New York, you know, we donate over $100,000 a year every year to our community. You know, and not to mention, 
You know, we have almost $3 million sitting in a coffer right now to help veterans outreach programs that we can't get people to use. I mean, whether you be homeless or need help or need help paying rent, need help with medical bills, the money is out there. Search it out. We can help. It's there. So why don't they? Why is a guy more likely to to not come to you guys? Well, I think there is that stigma of, you know, I, I made it through combat. You know, I'm not the guy that's going to ask for help. You know, and that, that probably goes across the board in many, many levels of society, whether it be a veteran or just some guy too proud. To Maybe be. we need to, to turn the terminology away from help, and this belongs to you. You know what I mean? You served. This right. belongs to you. The retraining belongs to you. Uh, the money to get help belongs to you. The therapy belongs to you. Whatever it happens, this is, this is yours. This is an asset that you've earned. It would be great if we could get that across to those guys. Well, that's the trouble. The, the problem I'm fighting with right now with the Northern New York uh, Veterans Administration is they call it the Homeless Veterans Outreach Program. Right. And I think just by calling it homeless puts that stigma on it that these people, I'm not homeless, you know. Right. You may be homeless. You might be living on your parents' couch or your buddy's couch. or You're still homeless. Right. You know, and, and just adding that stigma to it really... Yeah, sometimes it's just a, a game of English. It's a game of terminology. And maybe going in, these guys explain here. You know, it's like when you get benefits from work, that doesn't feel like you're getting charity. It feels like a benefit that you've earned. The same we need to get across to these guys, uh, because you know you hear about the suicides or whatever, and they've probably gone a long way before they get to that point. You know? Right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm the local commander of our VF. W post here in Northern New York, and of the 883 active members we have, less than 20% of them are under the age of 40. Yeah. So what's going to happen now, you know, <laughs> there's no more members left, and, and the trouble is we're trying to recruit very heavily with the new Afghanistan Iraqi veterans and really trying to help them, but, you know, we're, we're fighting this, this stigma the entire time, and again, I don't have the answer, but... Well, the same thing happened with the World War II and Vietnam guys, right? They didn't exactly see eye to eye when those guys were coming back to Vietnam. Um, it's just different wars, different experiences. And again, the more options we have for these guys. But I thank you for out there doing the uh, uh, the work that you're doing. Here's our buddy, John, in Massachusetts. Hey, John. It's actually Josh. Oh, Josh. But, um, no problem. Hey, um, going back to what that guy is saying, there's no mili- there's no uh, criminal element. You know, you, you guys touched on it a little bit about the gangs. But the show Gangland did a whole episode about gangs in the military. Chris Kyle talks about it in his book, uh-huh. how the Navy SEALs went down into one of the ships because one of the boats had a gang problem, and they went and, you know, quote, fixed the gang problem. I mean, I've never been in the military. God bless all those guys that do that for us. I appreciate it. But it definitely goes and going on if you just watch any of these episodes. All right, I haven't seen them, but I've seen pictures that they were alarmed that they had, you know, guys throwing out gang signs. But a lot of people, Pepper's generations, throw out gang signs whether they were in gangs or not. Those duck face girls are constantly throwing gang signs. Uh, Mark in Iowa, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, Ronnie. Um, uh, real quick, I'm a retired lieutenant colonel, and I can say that uh, I started an enlisted man, and when I from my time as an enlisted guy uh, up through my ranks as an officer, we had gang kids that I would say that were some of the best soldiers that I ever served with because 
ultimately, a lot of those kids have wonderful leadership qualities, and the leadership qualities that they that they demonstrate as gang members are so negative. When the military can convert that into a positive energy, those guys were uh, guys that would do anything for you. They were wonderful leaders. You could trust them. They didn't take crap from any of the other soldiers. Uh, I just think that at times it's a matter of it's the ownership that we have as leadership in the country at times instead of just always placating and saying these people don't have any opportunities. When you give them the opportunities, you got to trust them and you got to believe that they're going to do the right thing. And most of them did, in my experience, of 24 years. Well, we got that call from the other guy. He was saying he was just the kind of guy that needed the military, that he had had some problems and was looking for what the military could uh, deliver him. And he ended up being a... A respectable citizen and raising three kids, and he felt like he wouldn't have had it if he hadn't gone into the military. Um, all right, thank you so much for calling. I appreciate sure. it, Mark. Uh, Chris Stanley, you did something yesterday. You were bragging to everybody about Bitcoin, yeah, and you said yesterday now's the time to buy. Um, last night it fell as if a jinx had shot it. <laughs> With his jink evil eye, it dropped like 60%. Yeah, there's nothing I can't jinx. I have never heard of anything dropping 60% in hours, other than the one thing that you actually gave your big thumbs up to. What's up, dude? Dude, fucking millionaires are being made off of this thing, this crazy-ass Bitcoin internet currency. I don't know what the opposite of a tip is, but that's what you give out. A curse. Whatever is the worst possible thing for you to hand to people, you're able to do. And I think that's why, you know, we're looking more towards the Liz Sets Fire. Really? Uh, Hard Rock Johnny. Not against you personally. No, no, this is personally against me. I, I understand. I know. Fine. They want to fucking form some alliance against me. Good for them. Bring it. What do I care? Come on. You're being paranoid now. Uh, no, I am. I am. I am so on point, it's unbelievable. There is no paranoia whatsoever. When's the last head. time you slept? Uh, only. Uh, Who was president? Do you remember? <laughs> Were you talking to Bush years? Or is it the first Bush? <laughs> I haven't slept now in 20 years. <laughs> Happens. Just a bad string. So, what happened to Bo- Bitcoin? Why did it shoot up like that? And why did it go down like it did? Uh, all right, so it, it shot up in the last, I'd say, week. Um, from like a hundred dollars a bitcoin to two hundred fifty dollars a bitcoin, due to the Cyprus, the, the the economic turmoil in Europe, in Spain, and the 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 euro getting weaker, so everyone was like, "Holy shit! Bitcoins aren't controlled by a bank or anything. There's just a set number of bitcoins out there, and they're worth whatever the market deems it's worth." So they're like, "All right, let's just start investing in bitcoins. This crazy did internet currency." Did something happen on Game of Thrones to cause this crash? No, it has nothing because it Game seems of very. Uh, Game of Thrones. It's, it's more sci-fi. It's like in the, like in those sci-fi stories where all currencies is like credits. Well, like, I, I don't understand internet money. It sounds like an Amazon gift card. It's, yeah, but whatever it is, worth trading. Like, it's no different if somebody says that a comic book is somehow valuable. That's only value to what the market is saying. If people want the bitcoins. They're valuable, but for some reason, they decided last night that they weren't valuable. It's really fucking. It, it's it's a roller coaster. But also, these bitcoins—they're totally anonymous. Like you could have an, an amount of them, and no one could can tell you tell where they're going to. Here's Max and Philly. Max, 
Ronnie, it's it's so weird that Hex jinxed us right now because my auntie, she's travelling, she's going from New Zealand over to UK and so, and she was saying, oh, I might buy some Bitcoins before I leave. I'm like, oh my God, so glad I told her not to do it. <laughs> big Hex with your big hooves. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's fucking outstanding. And amazing how you can do this. I have to harness this power somehow. It's just it's somewhere there's this lucky guy on Earth too. Yeah, that just and everything good happens to him. Everything he touches turns to gold. Uh, Alan, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, Jinxie, have you started taking up beekeeping too? <laughs> <laughs> now that you mention it, my roof is just fucking loaded with dead bees. It's crazy. The bit and the bit the bit this Bitcoin thing was just used for gambling and buying drugs on the internet. That's it's it's just for use basically illegal activities. John, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, if Pepper was around during the late fifties, he'd be telling everybody to buy stock in the Ford Edsel. But you know this whole thing about what you know why does it have any value? You could think of that when you look at any money out there. Any money? I've always laughed at gold. You can't fucking do anything with gold. Why is it great? Just, oh, because it's shiny? Well, guess what? We have shinier things. An iPad is shinier than gold. Yeah, the platinum I could, I more, could right? get why it would be great back in, you know, 300 B.C. I just don't know why it matters to anybody now. People love gold. It's, that's the one thing that everyone fucking wants to collect. Go Cashforgold.com, baby. Now, Chris. Yeah. If everyone's a little queer, can't she be a little straight? I'm dumb, she's a lesbian. I thought she was the one. Does that remind you of high school? The lesbian fucking prom queens. We were good as married in my mind. Our mass is happening next Wednesday. But married in my mind's no good. The fantastic Brad Garrett <laughs> will be the guest. So go to the iBang. So go to the iBang to find out exactly how you can be in the and studio. Then audience. you stop it, and it picks up the same spot. Brett Garrett will be the next unmasked uh, next Wednesday. So you need to be here at one o'clock for a baller good time. Maddie Ice is going to dunk on him. Um, Can't wait to see that shit. I'm not so sure Matty Ice can do anything but talk. I mean, he talks a good game, sure. Or what if we set up a trampoline so it'll be like uh, that crazy game? game uh, remember the basketball Fuck game? Fuck, do I remember it? I was crazy about that game. <laughs> a trampoline basketball. Yeah, trampoline basketball. Uh, Chris, you're on the Run of Fez show. In 2004, Hicks told everyone to invest in Enron. Uh, Bunny, kick butt. You're on the Run of Fez show. A good idea at the time. Hicks is the cooler of the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I find, I find out somebody's on a winning streak, I just have Hicks stand next to him. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go hide my game tokens now so it doesn't rub off on him. Let's set fire. Woo! Yeah, people are crazy about her. Good. You can be as crazy about it as you want. Fine. Go to that camp. Fuck it. I'll cool over here. How does she not love the master? Yeah, that's who people are fucking going around with. Someone who disliked the master. Good what was luck. your favorite film last year? <coughs> uh, it was the master, but out of the Thanks. ones that got nominated. Oh, who cares about the one that got nominated? I like Zero Dark 2. Zero Dark 2? Zero Dark. You should wait and see Zero Dark 30. Zero Dark 
2. Like, also. More Zero Dark. It's Zero Dark 2. Bin Laden died. Or did he? What? Zero Dark 2. We'll get that fucker for good this time. Definitely gonna watch that. We were good as married in my mind. Married in my mind's no good. That fucker's never gonna find anybody for his goddamn self. That's fine. When's he gonna realize he's gay? <laughs> What's your third song on it? You don't even remember? I get so crazy with these things, you yeah. know? Ashpipe, baby. Let's not even wait to the break. Let's <laughs> play right now. Hell yeah. yeah. You go high, Chris, out of the U.S. Never want to do it for any band as backups. I would never. They go, "Well, you want to sing lead? No, I want to do the OEOs parts." It's fun. High part. This is yours, Chris. <laughs> but with the song. <laughs> no. Oh. Guys will jump in and share the mic like that. Does that seem a little gay to you? I, I feel like, oh my God, they're about to make out. Or do they want to make out? Bruce and little Steven do that all the time. And I'm like, you know, this is a big show. I know we can afford a mic for everyone. So you guys have decided we want to mic up together, if you will. Bruce does it with, like, guests. Guys just come out, too. Yeah. Like, he's doing it with Mike Ness. I'm like, Jesus. Couldn't wait. <laughs> You'll be sharing a mic with me. <laughs> And then afterwards, a room. Jinxie. Chris Stanley. What's up? He's got the playlist. We're going to hear that the Weezer plane went down tonight. Oh, please don't, don't even, don't, don't, don't joke about that. The flying W. <laughs> Here's Joe in Buffalo. You're on the Run and Face show. 
Hey, Ronnie, uh, we should change Jake's name to Mush, like the guy from a Bronx, because no. everything he touches turns to Mush. No shit, we ought to put a bar towel over his head and make him stand in a bathroom. I don't want you looking at that kid while he's fucking throwing dice. I feel good about Patino's horse in Kentucky Derby. 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 Is that this weekend? Uh, no, it's first, first weekend, weekend of in May. May. Now that you said that, that horse is going to end up like Kevin Ware. Don't say that, because then they have to kill it. They didn't kill Kevin Ware. He's a human. But I also thought it was embarrassing that they brought the fucking thing down for him to cut the net, you know? I figured they just would have lifted him up, right? Or I guess he could Lift him up. Have some fucking respect. Have some drama. Not, ladies and gentlemen, watch as we lower this down to his fucking crippled level. One of the guys from fucking Florida Gulf Coast who just ran in and just bashed the leg in just like a wrestling fucking run. It would have been fucking great. <laughs> Rebreak the leg. People kept sending me that Monday night stuff of all the crazy shit that they were chanting on Monday Night Raw. They were just fucking with them. An entire crowd turned against them and were just uh, fucking screaming, Randy Savage. <laughs> what the fuck? Randy Savage. That North Jersey pest thing was out. They're just dominating the whole fucking night? Yeah, just yelling out crazy shit the entire night. Good. Because uh, everyone hated WrestleMania, I guess, right? And so they were just fucking... No, they loved it. Oh. It was a very, very successful WrestleMania. WrestleMania, again, burned up one of their own superstars. Uh, like The Undertaker a couple of years ago, whose coat caught on fire with the pyrotechnics. Triple H gets second-degree burns from his WrestleMania entrance. All right, help me with this. What exactly does second-degree mean? Um, I'm trying to think of... I think third-degree is the worst... So I think like a first degree is where maybe you just get like a sunburn where there's not real damage to the skin. And second degree, you've gone through a level or two uh, of the uh, skin. And what's third degree? Burnt to the bone? Yeah. They don't give a shit. They keep playing around with those fucking fireworks, even though they have problems. Well, this time it wasn't even fireworks. They bring him out through a cloud of smoke, and they spray dry ice onto his body all around his stomach, his chest and stomach. Yeah. So he's trying to wipe dry ice off of him as he's headed to the ring while it's burning through his flesh. Third degree burns is the worst thing ever. You don't want to look at that shit. All right, don't put it up, then. Second, this is second degree. That's, that's doable, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He's not so bad. Uh, Jim, go ahead, buddy. What happened to the Ac Ackroyd vodka bottle hit? Training for Doug. Who's on the phones? That's popcorn. Send me in popcorn. For the love of God. Popcorn, I don't know what we can do. I try to, even though I have you in here on the air, grabbing a mic yesterday, you scream in a guest's face. Uh, you can't seem to keep this idiot off our phones. Yeah, I'm, this, I'm having... Just something you're not cut out for? You know what it was? He sounded like this this old man who was knowledgeable, and not, and it threw me off. It's not an excuse. It, it, uh, no, I'm just... It, it isn't. You're right. I'm just explaining There's how, no need to explain. There's how no need, it happened. There's no need to explain. I just want you guys to know how it went down. Is that's radio it. something that's not for you? 
I think it is. Is radio something that your heart's just not into? Because you got to be able to stop the radio shark. I actually recognizing voices is a is a. Go ahead. What is it? Linchpin. Cornerstone. It's a cornerstone of this business. Was Matty Ice not available to be on the phones at that moment? No, he was. That's the problem. Matty just has this breakout day today where he's fucking dominating. I know. And you guys. Doesn't let Radio Shark through at all. But you don't ever. You know, you had your one drummer day, and then, you know. No more boxes, no more thing of interest. Oh, I'm working on that right now. I'm actually working on, like, uh... There's nothing I like worse than when someone says, I'm working on something. No, like, literally, when I was not on the phones, I was writing a song about uh, Radio Shark. Like, uh, I always let him through. It's fun to let the shark through. I always let him through. He fucks my ass all day. Oh, yeah, fuck Ron and his show. I'm gonna let the shark in. I like the song. It's fucking great. <sighs> Someone said half astronaut sent us a song and it never got to me. Chris, what happens with you? I know I didn't receive the, the email. Hmm. Okay. Now I'm understanding who's training this fucking kid. I did. You know what? I might be sending you to. Bouquet. Uh, no. Liz Sets Fire's house. Don't send him to Liz Sets Fire's house. Please don't. And Half Astronaut's a friend of yours, right? Oh, yeah. Half Astronaut, yeah. He, uh, he worked down in Austin, Texas, south by southwest. What are we going to do to get him to be a whole astronaut? I guess he has to go back to school. Maybe he dropped out. UT? Yeah. I wish UT would just start and call themselves that. <coughs> Hook him horns. That's what I always say. Why? Because that school <laughs> football. <laughs> Not familiar. So you're having fun giggling up a storm? Yeah, I thought it was funny. You're fucking up constantly on the phone. <laughs> I know. Popcorn, for the love of God, you I have know. to fucking get this shit under control. Um, Joe and Phil, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron, I've been calling your show for years, and uh, Popcorn is the worst call screener ever. He just He's rude, and he hangs up on you, and just an asshole. What kind of things that he do does he do that's so rude? I just call in with an idea, and he's like, nope, don't like it. Hangs up. What? Well, because you said something offen- offensive. What did he say offensive? I, I don't know. I don't know who, who it is. or. Uh, it's Joe I, from Philly. I, I don't... Then how do you know he said something offensive? Because it was... First of all, it was irrelevant. And uh, what was it? What was the offensive comment? I, I don't remember. So I don't remember. Th- this is irrelevant. Your opinion right now is irrelevant. Absolutely. You can't remember. Something yes. bad about a drummer. Do you remember what no. you thought about Joe? What I thought I about him a couple about times and he's just rude. He hangs up on me. He doesn't even know what the fuck I said. Okay. Popcorn, are you any pills that affect your memory? No, but he, he said something. I don't want to repeat it, but write it down. Write that. Write it down. I feel very uncomfortable. Okay, I just I just want to precursor that. Okay, okay. So you're writing it down, so you're not okay. speaking about it. Okay. So write it down. I know you feel uncomfortable. I know it was something very bad. A G. He's he's not writing anything Please, down. Go. What are you on. writing in invisible ink? 
right, just sorry. Right, now he's the hands moving a little bit more now. I'm just noticing every time I see him, he looks like someone different, and right now he looks like young Jeff Altman to me. He's a chameleon. He's a chameleon of the. Uh... You've got to put in young Jeff Altman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see what comes up. Everyone should try to call in right now while he's not on the phones. <laughs> um, sign it. So I know that's from you. And go to Steve Lee's. He's a notary. Should I print no. the name underneath no. to make it official? No, this is already official. Okay. I didn't know that your last name was Jonas, but yeah, you do look like a Jonas brother. All right, this is what he signed his name to, and I'm going to give this to Rob Cross. Okay. Fez showed up to work at 2. Why can't I show up late? And then sent her a comment. <laughs> no, that that's what the caller said. <laughs> no, you've already signed this. No, I'm giving no. this to Rob. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah Cross is going to fucking rip that shit up. Oh. Andy in Boston, you're on the Run Fez show. All right, I am so glad you took this call because Popcorn just told you what I called in and said. So uh -huh. he's got the, the, the wrong fucking guy. And uh, and he was a complete dick to me, too, you know? <laughs> All right, so you didn't even... The guy that he let in, this is the guy that actually said those things. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know who the guy, the first guy's name. <laughs> Look at young Jeff Altman and see if that does remind me <laughs> you of yourself. It's like looking in a mirror. <laughs> it is. It's a really amazing. weird mirror. A black and white one. That, yeah. th there's more talent in the mirror, though. Um, oh. Here's Don in Delaware. You're on the Run Fez show. Hey, buddies. Uh, yeah, uh, okay. Uh, I tried calling in during the Bitcoin bit. I actually had a line about Pepper uh, uh, wanting everybody to go out and buy the new Blackberry, which, you know, may or may not have been good. <laughs> no, I think it's fantastic. I would okay, never well, say get, that. Get this. Popcorn asked me to explain why I had a joke about a BlackBerry, and then he hung up on me. Here's the weird thing. I will see all the fucking phone lines filled, and then them disappearing one at a time, and nobody's name goes up. They don't come in here. Well, I thought that guy was Radio Shark. Because I think you just don't like typing. No, the only person I, you left I'm, through was Radio Shark. I it's I um, I hang up on people to try to avoid him, and Mike, he's the one that gets show. through. Hey Ronnie, yeah. Hey, I called in one day, and it was when we were doing the some homo bit, and I said fuck Ron Bennington, some homo, and I got hung up on. See, that would have been great. I I don't like that though. That's offensive. Fuck Ron Bennington. Fuck Ron Bennington. Fuck Ron Bennington. That doesn't I, I bother hate me. That. I hate it. But what are you doing? You're doing some kind of um, uh, an ABC show where certain words can't get on? No. I, are I, you, I are you bringing Pink Lady and Jeff back? Your 1970s <laughs> variety show? Look at this. This is you. That's Pink Lady behind you. You like that, That's, right? That's, uh... I forget his name. Jeff Altman. Uh, <laughs> Young Jeff Altman. What? That's Radio oh, really? Shark. Oh, really? Who did you think it was? Um, Your dad? No, the guy who had the the show uh, in the fifties and did the Buddy Rich drum off thing. I have no idea who you're talking. All about. all the famous people went on this guy's Jerry Lewis. No, 
All the famous people went on this guy's show. I would have guessed Steve Allen that he was thinking of. Um, no, he doesn't look like Jerry Lewis. Carl, you're on the Ryan Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, you all called through a few times and just had that piece of shit. Like, I'll say something, I can't even think it was, little one-liners or something, and he just says, okay, and then just saying, doesn't even go through to you or anything, doesn't let you make the decision about, want to talk to me. All right, let's try this. Um, let's go to Shane, John, Carl, Matt, Marshall, Mike. What do you guys all think of popcorn? Garbage! Garbage! He's terrible! It's like a mob has lined up! He's a gunman! He's a weirdo! Should should popcorn be fire? This is what my phone sound like now, popcorn! I created a monster. You are a monster. You're some kind of monster. Alright, when's the last time you hung out with Half Astronaut? That was two years ago. And I remember you brought back uh, pictures of his pretty wife. Yes. And you said, uh, Half Astronaut and yourself and your chicks swung that weekend. No, I never said and you that. you said it got really <laughs> wild. I never said that. Hey. It didn't happen. Are you guys into some swinging? <laughs> <laughs> you guys like to swing? Cause swing. Swing. That's the scene, man. Did you hear back from Johnny yet? Uh, no. Because okay. I, I think he's mad at me. Well, we're all I, mad at you. Why is everyone mad at me? Well... It's like you're a troublemaker. All right, so you got the sign from you got a song from Half Astronaut. Yes. All right. Uh, let's. Uh, no one's heard this yet, so we'll give it a, a listen. Um, he hasn't called the show in forever. It's been a while. Always all right. All right. Let's take a listen. I'm a crawling fist snake, and I fooled XM. I'm a crawling fist snake, man, did I ever fool XM? Don't come around asking how much money I make, I'm gonna keep that to myself. Ronnie caught me crawling baby back when he was getting high, and he led me on his show since then I just robbed, cheat, welch, and lie. I'm a crawling fist snake and I cheated XM. J-Moore don't come around looking for my Ronnie. I'm gonna use him for myself. What'd you think of his song? Uh, I thought the guitar was good, you know. Would you let him throw? If he wasn't insulting or insulting. sounding like Radio Shark. I thought he was a little insulting. What did you think? Uh, a little hard on Fez, but, yeah, hard. but uh, you know. Oh, good, that's good, what he was saying? Yeah, you didn't hear what he was saying? No. I heard snake. <laughs> you heard nothing before the snake? I, I get it now, Fez snake, but... <laughs> yes. Crawling Fez snake? 
I never... And I fooled XM? You don't hear lyrics, do you? Well, no, I heard the fooled XM part, but the, the, the crawling, that's where it got jumbled for me. Okay. It's pretty clear. Fez, what do you think? I really didn't care for it at all. And I thought it was a little dated. There was no serious, just XM. And Jay Moore is called Plenty since he uh, started his own radio show. All right, and I'll just say I loved it. So there we have it. We're all of a different heart and mind of this. I, if I would say anything, it needs to be harsher. It needs some drums. You're a drummer, aren't you? So, you, are you drumming when you should be answering the phones? Yeah. Yeah, da, da. You just want to pay. Yeah, da, da. Hey, baby, skin me. It's me. Pops. <laughs> or corn. Uh, I understand. He's got some of that wacky weed over there. Maybe he'd like to blow a number with me. Sweet Mary Jane. Hey, anybody see my friend Mary Jane around? I just wanted to put my lips on her, if you know what I'm saying. Um, here's Charlie. You're on the Run of Fez show. Ronnie B., I think uh, Popcorn doesn't understand the idea of busting balls. He doesn't understand teasing. He's so serious. Like, I call in with a couple of great centaur jokes, and he immediately hangs up on me. Right, so just, that's the thing. I'm you're sure you're keeping me from my listeners. Ronnie, you're on the Run and Fed show. Hey, I, I always get hung up on because I think I sound like Radio Shark. And as soon as I call, man, they hang right up on me. They don't listen to me. They don't listen to anything I say. But I think it's because I sound like Radio Shark. I think so. you sound like Joe Walsh. I don't care what anybody says. I've never heard this caller call up. Ben, you're on the Ryan Fed show. So. Hey, Ronnie, I called up uh, to talk to you the other day to say, hey, yeah, I agree with Ronnie. And Popcorn hung up on me. These are unfounded claims. They're founded. They're one after this another. This guy, no. I don't trust this guy. I don't trust anybody. Um, John, you're on the Run and Fez show. I wanted to say, I think Popcorn's probably one of the best call screeners in all time, of all time. The guy runs a tight ship. I like that. He's not get at all. Is this um, Radio Shark? The, no, it's not. The other thing is, since Fez is uh, a part-timer now, um, does that mean uh, that that Chris is uh, gonna be get get some more time, and and maybe the name of the show will change? Um, Chris might be one of those guys who comes around like a partner in a law firm and has to have his name on it. I heard you guys were sniffing your way around a certain magazine. Is that true? I don't want to say which one. Good but on. maybe partner up with. Hey, everybody, it's Chris. It's Chris and Dave. Hey, Dave, did you hear about Kim Kardashian? I did hear about her. Chris seems like she's gone... Crazy, oh, no. crazy for chocolate, that is. I hope she gets some blister fitting clothes. <coughs> and in other news, it looks like the Jews have taken over Hollywood. Dump! Dump out of there! <laughs> Why? It's true! This show is about the truth! <laughs> this is the last fucking possible place you go for truth! And let's go to Hollywood abortion news! Well, it looks like Gwyneth Paltrow decided not no, to have another no, one! No! No, dump out of that! 
You wouldn't want to be in the entertainment news biz. Why not? Hey, that's all about you know celebrities. They're they're foibles. It's time to play. Who farted at the Oscars? Oh God! No! No! That sounded like Ben Vereen. Wrong. It was Ben Affleck. <laughs> no, he farts. He farts like this. Affleck. Um, Joe in Philly wants to do an impression of Popcorn. Hi, my name is Popcorn Jonas. What's your name and what are you calling about? He is Popcorn Jonas for, for now. Glad you're on the Run and Fed show. Ronnie. Yeah. I was talking to Popcorn, trying to get through to you. I said, listen, I'm a cigar salesman up here in Canada. I've got a bunch of samples I want to send to Ronnie. He said, listen, if they're from Cuba, that's contraband. I can't accept it. God damn it. What the fuck? That is false. Accept it. That is a goddamn lie. You take his fucking information. I'll meet him at the fucking airport and have an AK with me. He never called. Bullshit. He, He just fucking said he did. He's a liar. And it seems like in Hollywood news, you guys would love to do a Hollywood news show? We would do a Hollywood news show. I think it could be. Could you do it straight like those guys? We could try to set something up to keep it, you know, so something that those guys down there would like or would think is viable. Guess what? In this case, the guys down there aren't the problem. Mm. It's the, the actual itself, yeah. Yeah, that is a problem. Yeah, since they're not radio or even here, I don't believe. <laughs> you know, they'll weird. be well, they'll be listening, and obviously, but they won't be in this thing. And so I think, like, with the way the Martha Channel was, you would be reporting to like that. Catholic Joe is. Oh yeah, that's a whole different scene. That is weird. Yeah, it is. Time to do celebrity birthdays. Tanya Tucker is 63 years old. Young. Hot Rock Johnny. I'm going to confirm receipt of email. I always have to do that now. I hate to have to do that in the you middle of the show. You don't have to do it. I, uh, I have to. Because, Receive, because Johnny. All right, finally. <laughs> I sent it about half an hour ago. Oh, come on. And then I hear Ronnie asking, and I'm like, what the hell? Last time he asked was before he sent it. Because you didn't so. send it to me in the first place. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had to email you again, and then you wouldn't have to call in. I sent it to the boss, to your boss. It seems like like Johnny and Liz are ganging up together on you. Fine, bring it. I'll take on all comers. I, we need Hanahan back. That's all I'm saying. Stop producer. Who produces results? Oh, wow. Did I tell you one time Oliver Stone kicked me in the counter with shop, shop, shoe? And he made me step on his balls. But he's nice. I do like him. Old school. She's got to be dead. There's no way she survived. <laughs> she always just wanted to produce her show. She goes, Would you come to my show? I'm doing a show. I go, yeah, all right. It performance art. I go, great. Um, starts at 3 o'clock in the morning. 
I go, I'm not going to go out 3 o'clock in the morning. I'll download all your side. I put all this different uh, vegetable and fruit in my vagina. And she was totally serious. It wasn't like a sex show. It was like... That was uh, her art. Yeah, I call it basket of fruit. I hope I will stone don't come. Pepper, maybe you could start doing that. What's Holy shit. Listen, motherfucker. I don't need you fucking talking to all your bullshit. No fucking fruit's going in any of my holes. In your vagina. <laughs> I have a cock. You're going to keep your vagina fruit free. <laughs> Did, do centaurs have vaginas? That's an interesting if thing. If a centaur was real and it was female, I would guess yes. Horses have fucking giant horse pussies, then the centaurs oh, would have fucking centaur pussies. By the way, did you just say that you wouldn't even eat fruit and vegetables? <laughs> yeah, there, no, no fruit and vegetables for me. Unless it was dipped in meth. No mm. holes, not even my mouth. Mm. Alright, thanks, man. Thanks, All right, Johnny. boys. See you, Johnny. See ya. Bye. Johnny. Um, here's Kevin. You're on the Run Fest show. Ronnie, just uh, celebrating our big five-team parlay from last week. I, I called and I left it with uh, popcorn, and then he said, gambling's illegal. Nope. And then, uh, popcorn, you motherfucker. You put my gambling bed through. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what he just you said. You don't need to know. You just need to fucking put up. It's a call. No one needed you to decide anything. I never that money. I never made a uh, gambling. You decision. need to know name and where they're calling from, and that's it. Absolutely, I agree. You don't, but you're not doing that. The, this guy who says he just called in with a gambling proposition did not call in to me. That's all I'm saying. Oh, so you're saying it's so? How could they all be wrong? Well, they all hate me. I mean, some why would everyone hate you? Because I hang up on them. Then don't. The thing is, you just said you don't hang up on them. Well, I, I was told to protect the show from Radio Shark, and I'm I'm there with the shotgun. I'm holding the line, man. No one ever. No you're holding. And you can't stop a shark with a shotgun anyway. And there's no sure border. Can. The border would be the fucking beach. Exactly. And I'm waiting for him to swim up on shore. And just take him out, and he's he you digging time. tunnels. Right, I just gotta—it's uh, driving me nuts. Tom, you're on the running face show. Tom in Houston. Yeah, I called up there. Fucking popcorn picked up. It's like, where's your name? Where are you calling from? You want to get touched? I said, what the fuck did you say to me, you ballsy prick? And next thing I hear is the dial tone. Jesus Christ! You're offering to molest people. Gary, you're on the running face show. Popcorn's an alright guy. So I called in the other day. He was going to tell me all you guys' phone numbers, home addresses. He's a hell of a good rat. <sighs> Patrick, you're on the Run Fest show. Hi, this is Patrick O'Neill. Did you know that many thousands of people will get minor aches and pains in their muscles or joints use therapeutic mineralized pain-relieving gel? Why? It could be that therapeutic mineralized has no embarrassing odor, or it could be the penetrating... This bitch 12 years old. Pat, you're on the Run Fez show. I, I want to know why Fezzy defends every single person, no matter what. But the second someone calls in the show and picks on someone else on the show, he's the first person to jump in and go, Well, why is it everybody else? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? It is true that Fez will defend any minority out there, but and when that minority comes into here, he doesn't like them. 
So you got a special needs child, such as Popcorn comes in here. Why aren't you defending him? Well, I just think that Matty Ice gets thrown under the bus a lot of times by Popcorn, and Matty Ice is excelling. Matty Ice has got nothing but praise from us. Matty Ice is obviously way better than Popcorn. Obviously. So what? I, I never threw him under the bus. Plus, there was all the fake excuses of d- oh, dodging out of here. But let's not go back to that. We're Just be this. here at this moment. We're past What's your beef with popcorn? Popcorn, past that. What's uh, your beef with popcorn was the Q word. Yeah, popcorn is, uh, is not doing the intern job. He is... Uh, and he, like I said, he tries to surpass Matty Ice, tries to undermine him when it's completely unnecessary. I've never tried to undermine him, ever. Wow. Do you feel attacked? Uh, more, more, more of assault, mm-hmm. you know, because... You're assaulted popcorn. Yeah. You've come in here plenty of times saying, why does Matty Ice get to do this? Why does Matty Ice get to do that? I did that once. There was there was one time it's where where I had times. a pro- no it was one time where I came in here and I and I confronted a problem is that not I thought you did a great job of it I was I admired no, do, that do you hold it in and just like no I I thought you did a great or, job you put it out there we had a chance to talk exactly if you have an issue like right you talk it out you know I have no problem with Matt me and Matt talk like shoot the shit. Like maybe we should put that up. We've got a bowl of popcorn up against Matty Ice. Maybe that should go on the eye bank. Send those pictures over. We'll do. And we can do uh intern of the year. But do you feel like Fez holds that against you? Uh, absolutely. And I think I, it's too t- not to interrupt you, but yeah. to to an excess. I, I I just I don't feel like yes, the there were some things that happened mm-hmm. and, and some discrepancies. Right. Some missing funds. But, um, by Which the way... Which were returned. I saw something really uncomfortable. And that was Catholic Joe jumping on Matty Ice in a, if I didn't know better, sexual way. At one of the MS. That's uncomfortably weird. And you know how little Joe is and how big fucking Maddie is, right? So, Joe, come on over. I mean, Maddie, come on over and grab a, a thing and see if you remember this. When I walked in and, and caught uh, Catholic Joe grab-assing with you, when he was jumping up and down on you, I'm like, what the fuck is going on in here? Yeah, he was uh, punching me. It was somewhat sexualized, though. It was like a junior high school teasing. Oh, I think I, I walked into it like yeah, after it you booth. did, and I, and they were. I was like, "Wait, what the fuck were you shooting?" And I'm like, that, and "He shouldn't even know him." And he was all like, "Joe was like, where you going? You big? <laughs> oh, you're big, Matty Ice. Who's my big Matty Ice?" That's. And I know Joe's. Uh, That's creep style. So, Fez, how much of this is true about this thing? With this kid here. I mean, he feels like you're picking on him a little bit. Uh, it's all true. It's 100%. When was the last time I, I, I called out? Well, you called out like five or six times that, so that's far. That's not true. I, yes. call, I called out twice. You're always leaving early, And the second too. time I made Those it up. count. I haven't left early he in like three weeks. Early. He stopped leaving early. 
That's because we had a vacation. He wasn't able to. Whoa. Um, you can't count that if, week. What about Tuesday? The yesterday. Kick ass. You know. Um. Yes, there wasn't a fake story about a uh, mom eating pasta or a court case. Mom uh, yeah, because both of those are completely fake and fabricated. Thank you for finally admitting it. That's sarcasm. Oh, Does, is that good or bad when you do sarcasm? Because it can confuse some people. Fez is confused. It's neutral. You know. Um, Roger in Salt Lake, you're on the Run Fez show. Yeah, I, you know, every time Fez gets picked on, he wants to uh, put it on somebody else, man. I mean, you know, Popcorn's got probably more talent in his left nut than Fez will ever have. And, you, you haven't know, checked I'm my nuts yet. Yes, yesterday's show was one of the best you guys have ever done. I just mm. wish you'd uh, pull the trigger, man. You haven't checked my nuts either, for the record. Chris, are you noticing that these two seem to have a problem with each other? A big problem. A big, big problem. And I know about this gay tryst between... Uh, well, forget that. That's a whole different thing. Okay. That's... That's nothing but... That's interim mess that I try to get out of. But I was just glad they had pants on. So you feel picked on sometimes by Fess? Yeah, once in a while. I, I mean, I, I know when to take a joke, but then, you know, sometimes... like You feel like Fez is joking? Sometimes. No, I'll just ask him. Fez, are you ever joking about that? No, I'm never joking about it. Today before the show, and yes, it's true, I get a little wound up before a show starts. That's when nerves start to kick in. Well, you've had a hell of a show. That I, first hour, you were on fire. I had to stop and answer a question from Popcorn, who stopped me in the hallway. Anyone care to guess what the question was? What time does the show start today? No. I, I said, are we going in... We start in? at 11 a.m. in the East every single day. I asked if we were One starting... One more question. At... Are we in the East? Yes, we are in the East. So that means... 11 a.m. I asked if we were starting on time because I was... You did not! You asked no. what time the show starts. I, I asked if we were going in early because I was asked to bring down the stuff earlier than usual. So I thought, why would I be asked to bring it down... 20 minutes earlier, How you long know? have you been interning on the show that starts at 11 a.m. in the East? Since January 22nd. And has it ever started, oh, let's say, 9.45, no. 10.30, By the way, 8 a.m.? Everything, things change, you know. It hasn't changed since January 6th. Does it seem like that big of a deal, though? Wouldn't you just be able to say 11 a.m.? I don't think I should have to. Well, I was bringing stuff down at uh, ten ten, so I was confused as to why I wasn't bringing it down at a normal time. That's all. I just wanted to. I have no idea why that confused you. Because I don't normally bring it down at that time. That's why it confused me. All right, we put the poll up on the uh, on the iBang right now. Uh, Matty Ice versus. Popcorn. They got a picture of both of them. Here's the thing. It said, for your information, the popcorn is salted. Mm. So that could help out. I like salted popcorn a lot better than I like the Falcons, so I'm voting popcorn. 
You might be the only one. I'll fine. I'll be an island. I'm voting. Just who are you voting for? Matty Ice. That's a sham franchise. That guy's not fucking going anywhere. By the way, Matty, this is the worst thing that could happen to you. You've got Fez's seal of approval. Um, Craig, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. I just want... I don't get it. Like, how would Fez feel if you talk to him the way that he's talking to this fucking intern, like, for all his incompetencies? Like, he's lost the respect of every listener, his parents, you. He's just a fucking sack of shit sitting over there not fucking saying anything. And then he wants to give this kid a hard time. He's a fucking intern that doesn't get paid a bunch of money to just sit there and watch you do the show. Yes, I can say anything, anything I want to to the interns. For you. So Good for you, Fez, you fucking cunt. Yeah, so this sack of yeah. shit is doing great compared to you. Because okay. you're Vegas, having a you fit about me. You know, you go, go ahead and have a fit about me. Fuck you if that's all you got. It's turned ugly quick. At least the guy could have said it was get. But you're hearing some people backing you up, Popcorn. Does that surprise you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it does. You're leading right now. Did you just vote like 12 times? No, no. dude. I voted once. I'm not no bullshit. Look, salt and popcorn is delicious. I can't um, get enough of it. Make sure it's noted that's not kettle corn either. Here's uh, Howard, Mississippi. You're on the Run of Fez show. What happened, Fez? Did popcorn turn you down for a date? I mean, is that what's really going on? What happened? Oh, Did Yosemite geez. Sam turn you down? What's that mean? With his fake foghorn leghorn voice. Uh, Kurt, you're on the Run of Fez show. That was real. Yeah, hey, Ronnie, crazy. I got a new uh, prospective listener in the car, and I was wondering if you'd play Mighty Horse to hook him in. Well, we haven't played that song in quite a long time. We'll do it. I don't know if we even still have it. <clears throat> Graffiti artist and consultant to designer uh, Mark Echo. Oh, he was arrested for spray painting subway cars in Brooklyn. You know, I'm a fan of the graffiti because I was an old school graffiti artist myself. My specialty was the T sign, just the word the O, the backwards SWAT sticker. It right, I draw the Roadrunner, just the word the O, Repent 13, just the word the O. Yeah, those, those type of things. The gorilla movement, that's the way it goes. And it's the art of getting up, getting known. And then you take that vehicle and you go all the places once they know you. The higher you can tag something, the more respect you're going to get. The more outlandish you tag, the more respect you're going to get in the community. I know a person, everywhere they go, they tag Mighty Horse Rocks the Fat Ass. Mighty Horse Rocks the Fat Ass. Mighty horse rocks, he rocks a fat ass. The mighty horse rocks, he rocks a fat ass. Everybody else can live by the rules, except for the graffiti artist. When you see the mighty horse rocks, you don't spell rocks R-O-X. The mighty horse rocks, he rocks a fat ass. What about my tag, Monkey House? Only I, only I pronounce it like this, Monkey House! When Monkey House rocks, he rocks a fat ass. When Monkey House rocks, he rocks a fat ass. Monkey House! Cause that's the name I tag with. Monkey House of Decepts. 
When Monkey House rocks, he rocks the D-Sippers. When Monkey House rocks, he rocks the D-Sippers. Mighty Horse rocks the fat ass. When Mighty Horse rocks, he rocks the fat ass. When Mighty Horse rocks, he rocks the fat ass. Mighty Horse rocks the fat ass. Alright, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a plane and tag the sky. Shot a boot, Greg. I forgot that we had to say things like D-sippers, because on Terrestrial, you couldn't call somebody a cocksucker. Well, you're a D-sipper, my friend. You sip D. D-sippers are pretty good, though. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? Sipping off that dirk. See, we'd be dumping it out right now. <laughs> it seems like every time you come in here, you and Fez end up going at it. I think it's Fez. It's not me. Oh, it's not you letting Radio Shark through constantly. It's not you always bailing on the internship and leaving Maddie to clean up the studio I and did. stuff. When it's was the last time I bailed? It's not you. It doesn't matter when the last time was. Could it, sure it does. So, so I did something a few times. That I don't, I don't think that should define my internship. If anything, that's... What internship? You're getting an incomplete... For for setting up the the flags and all this stuff. As of right now, he is passing. He did, you know. I gave him marks for tardiness, but as of right now, he is passing. I had to fill out his paperwork, and I accept that. I have to do the uh, midterm evaluation, so I have to go to do that two weeks ago. No, they had to reschedule oh, because right. it was it was during the show. Right. Mom dying. Why did oh, have to get rescheduled? No, that's on. his mom. What the f Come on. What is it? Come on. What happened, kid? No, no. It's just uh, you know, the mom thing. Right. He always goes back to that. You worry about your mom, right? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, you know. Everybody does. Sure. Everybody worries. I worry about it. you made the kid upset. You're making him cry. I'm, I was just told that this is all my fault. He's a sweet kid. He loves his mom. Yeah, but I don't believe the story. I don't believe it for a second. I, there's nothing I can do if you don't believe it. I that it conven every one of these conveniently happens at three p.m. Why are you so mad at him? Because I'm the one being accused. Who's accused you? Him. Right now, because you. Uh have turned against fucking a popcorn. Popcorn's winning. He's destroying, actually. Does that make you feel better, popcorn? Fuck yeah. Does that make you feel worse, Fez? <laughs> Makes me think he's looking at polls like Mitt Romney's team did. This is the actual poll. Yeah, no, this isn't the crazy talk here. This is actual <laughs> votes. Fuck <laughs> Mitt Romney. Oh, shit. All right, come on. Let's not get personal. Let's not be mean to Mitt Romney. Oh, come on. You worry about your mom, and then you hear stuff like that, though. Yeah, and that, you. like, that, that's like, if, if you have a family member that has cancer, and I keep making cancer jokes, how are you going to feel about that? That'll be crushing. I don't you think it's a little different between someone having cancer and your mom ate spaghetti she wasn't supposed to? No, because, see... If, oh, because the cancer's real. I'm sorry, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, ulcerative colitis is just something I made up. I'm 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 so horrible that I'm great at making up diseases. The disease is real. The story isn't. Okay. All right. If someone 
said this to you on the street, would it be go time? Yeah. Do you realize that, Fez? You were saying enough to him right now that if you were just a couple of fellas standing on the street corner, he'd be swinging at you. Not, not... I'll meet you at 3 p.m. Oh, wait, there'll be some sort of uh, court appearance that has to happen. Mm. Yeah, I have to go work for someone who doesn't demean me. Oh, Oh, shit! Fuck! Oh, yeah, like when you couldn't remember the name of the place where you worked, and you got that confused the last time we talked about this. You couldn't figure out where you worked. Because it's a Southwest Grill. Yeah, it's right. called the Southwest Grill. Could be anything. All right, I got a break first, and we'll come back. Oh, man. You both is... going to be here? I'll be here. All right, and 3 o'clock, I want you two to go out and meet next to the bike rack near the far baseball field. We're going to end this thing once and for all. Flagpole. Would you, if, if you actually said, for what you said about your mom, would you be willing to put your books down and go at it? With, with Fez? Yeah. No. Afraid you kill him? No. I. Besides the, uh, you know, he doesn't believe in me. Doesn't believe me. Says some some mean stuff. I I do. I respect Fez, and uh, that's got to hurt even worse. Knowing it's from someone that you respect. Yeah, because I I was a listener before I was an intern, and my pe- my grandma lives in Dunedin. So, how can you you not love this kid? Seriously, he's just adorable. I don't. He's all heart, and he comes in here, and he's ready to go. His grandma's from Dunedin. I don't like the fact that I'm subjected to fake phone calls every afternoon. That happened months ago. Yeah, and now it's after vacation. Yeah, this is great. He's staying here late, not leaving early. He's fucking. It's like a big bowl of buttery popcorn. It's a comeback kid. Mm. Well, listeners love him. Well, this Paul. It's nuts. 67% to 32%. I suggest everyone put in their vote for Matty Ice. Matt Ryan blows. We all know it. All right, I got a break here. And we got... I'm going to have time when we come back to finish this? Yeah, yeah. All right. Right back is the Ron Fest Show. Enjoying the Ron and Fez show on Sirius XM's OP and Anthony channel. More in moments. I'm struggling with the with the board, or I was going to some way find out to be your fault too. It as was well. popcorn's fault. He put his headphones right up in front of the microphone as we were coming back on the air. So of course we're going to get feedback. He's wearing his headphones. Yes, and he put them on like this. Oh, I don't wave them right in front of the mic as he's putting them on. Well, Fez, I know you didn't mean to do this. But you've destroyed Matty Ice's championship 
internship. He's only getting twenty eight percent of the vote. Holy dick! Um, and people are writing a lot of stuff. Is I'm voting for him just for spite. You got the spite vote. That, that's the most important vote. Well, Let's read some of this. Fez reminds me of a better old bitch. Um, Fez is being such a dick. Popcorn gets a sympathy vote. Oh, I don't want the sympathy vote. Yes, you do. Um, God, that guy Joe who uses Fez's picture. I look up and think, is that Fez? This says, where does Fez work? Fez, you want to answer that? I work at Sirius XM. I mean, seriously. Yes, that's where I am employed. Right, but where do you work? Um, in this one city. said, blame Ron. Shouldn't Ron be talking to Fez like this about his job? Well, I do, but the difference is uh, Popcorn will talk back. Popcorn throws it up. He doesn't sit. Quiet down, wait for it. Popcorn, is there something that you could say to Fez to get him to respect you? I don't think so. You know, um, I I try to, uh, you know, make small talk with him or... Small talk today was, when does the show start? Right. And what's so what's so wrong about that? It's annoying as hell. First what's of all, annoying about a guy talking to you? It's annoying to have to answer a question like that. I, I didn't ask that question. I said, are we starting early today? That's all. And why would we? Because well, I we never stuff, have. Because I brought the stuff down here at 10.15, 45 minutes be before we even do anything. It, it was just weird to me. He just asked a simple question, Fuzz. A simple, annoying question, like right, be, and like with fifteen minutes before the show starting. And so you're saying that he used up eight seconds of your time, fifteen minutes before the show starting, and when the show started, did you start talking? How long did it take you before you really started getting conversational today? Uh, probably not till later in the show, till about one thirty, two o'clock. Okay, so this happened. Really, four and a half, five hours before you needed to start talking. And you're still furious about it. Yeah, it's still, yes, it's still an annoying thing. I feel like I'm going crazy. I feel like I'm going crazy, Pop. Everybody does eventually, you know. No, never, not everyone goes crazy. It, so if, most you stay people alive, if you stay alive long enough, yeah. There are people that are 115 years old that are still, you know, they're they're not crazy. Have you met them? Yes, I hung out with them. All and, of them. And they're sane? Yeah, they're sane, Popcorn. They remember their grandchildren's names? Yes. Scott, you're on the run of Fez show. See how annoying it is, Chris? I think it's just valid questions. Yeah, Fez, so you were all up in arms just the other day about the Rutgers coach picking on them kids. How do you feel what you're doing right now is no different? You're a freaking bully. You're a jerk. You act like an asshole to this kid. Just knock it off. Otherwise, someone's going to end up punching your fucking teeth in. Oh, who's going to do that? I Keep mouthing off. I'm mouthing off right now. Who's going to do yeah. it? Whatever, Fez. You know, you're all freaking pock. Where were you yesterday? Great show, buddy. How about that? Huh? How about every other day? You get so upset when people freaking... Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to shut me up. 
It's whatever, dude. Knock it off. Like, you think no. I'm fucking going to play that game with you? I'm a grown man. I'm not going to play your fat freaking games. And I, <laughs> a, you know, a, grown, a grown man who just threatened to fight another grown man. I didn't say I would do it. I said he needs to be careful because there's people out there who? that he's going to interact with. I, you'll find out. That's money. What do you mean, who? Who, the What's Wisconsin militia coming to get me? Who's, uh, here's Ross in Iowa. You're in Ronnie Fez. Hey, Ronnie. How, how come Fez can only have a backbone when he's dealing with an intern? He won't stick up to you or anybody else, but when he's got an intern there, he just beats the shit out of him. Well, he did give me that thing yesterday when he his criticism of me was, I've got to learn to appreciate myself more. I thought that was a ballsy thing. Um... It looks like popcorn. You have beaten Matty Ice and beaten him soundly. Beat down, seventy-one percent to twenty-nine percent. This is ridiculous. Oh, it's like one of those gag things where the ugly girl gets uh, voted prom queen. Hey, I'm damn good looking. So, do you want to apologize, Tom Fez? Absolutely not. I have nothing to apologize for. Will you ever get along around the liking this kid? I don't see that happening. No. Yeah. It's all right. I'm out of here April 26th anyway, so... So fuck you, can, you, fucky. You can pick on someone else then. Oh, oh shit! Oh, I won't have to, because I've never had an intern that I've had to do this with before. You've never had an intern that had personal issues? Ever? Not that kept leaving the other intern to do the work. No. No, we've never had an intern as bad as you. Okay. Worse. All right, and hands bananas is worse than popcorn. No yes, way. I'd take a dozen hands bananas. That would be a fucking clusterfuck. <laughs> if I'm doing that bad, you can f fire me. I mean, I'm your mentor. You are not getting fired. We are riding this thing out to April 26th. I mean, if you think I'm doing that bad. April 26th. April 26th. I made that up. I don't know if that's the actual Doesn't date. Matter. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> Does April 26 come early this year? Why are you doing that? That one was funny. Why are you apologize to him? Oh, I am not apologizing. Well, you guys at least st shake hands for a fresh start. Would you be willing to do that? I, t I totally would. I fresh start. No, I'm not shaking hands with him. Why wouldn't you shake hands with him? I have shake no, hands. I have no interest. Shake in... hands with the kid. Come on. Shake no. hands with the kid. I don't want to shake hands with shake him. Shake hands with him. Would shake, you shake hands? Shake Just shake hands. I'll shake hands. I'll shake hands with Matty Ice. No, shake hands with popcorn. I'm not shaking hands. Come with on, him. don't let the show end without two guys shaking hands. I am not shaking hey. hands. Shake hands with him, buddy. No. Come on, do it. There's I'm hands not, out. I don't want to see his hands. Hey. Come on, shake it. I don't know where that hey, hand's that's been. Goodbye, show. Donk.